The following program is intended for mature audiences. Warmest aloha, sir. Hey, Holly. Hi. Holly to you, too. He's so Holly, he doesn't even know he's Holly. I'm tempted to say menehune. Like Hawaiian leprechauns. <laughs> or chipmunks or something. What's wrong with that turtle? He has lung problems because he smoked too much turtle weed, which is bad for you, right, Ola? Hawaii has a big future. I, I, I want to become a part of it. I know every angel of these islands. I'm like a good tourist guy. What we're about to say. See, we're on a mission. Trying to find a way. If you and me make a guarantee.
it, and welcome to Living the Aloha Life, podcasting Pono in the 808. <laughs> I'm the poor man. And I'm Dr. Aloha. Right. You know what's funny about the poor man thing? What? I ran into Desiree. Oh, Desiree! On North Shore, and she said the poor man. Like she, she did? Yes. And my guest in the vehicle were like, what's the poor man all about? <laughs> so I had, to go through the, I had to go through this big explanation of where the poor man started, because I'm not so poor anymore, <laughs> right. but I really couldn't come up with a good... Because the, cause the people on the tour, or the, uh, the tour was like, yeah, but you're not poor, man. <laughs> you <know>? Look <laughs> so, at your Jeep. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So that was that was pretty funny. And we're going to be spending some time with her. Next weekend. Next weekend. So excited. And, uh, I can't wait to meet her. Finally. I mean, I've met her several times driving by. I haven't. I know. That's really cool <laughs> that you've met. I didn't know that. She's out there with her kids walking up and down Haleiwa. Mm-hmm. And she's got the stroller. Man, she's working it. Good. It's the life, yeah. <laughs> right on. <laughs> uh, so we just came into Maole Sunshine. We're going to just be doing a continuation of last week's flora and fauna because it was very extensive last week. And it's going to be extensive again. It, yeah, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> but we're, you know, we're informing you guys. We're teaching you. We're teaching you. Knowledge is power. Yeah. And um, so yeah, so that was Maole Sunshine. Nice. And we're going to be heading into the news, but first. We have three birthdays to discuss. We do. Okay, so we have Lindsay. Happy birthday, Lindsay. We have John R. Happy birthday. And we have Adam. Happy birthday. And Adam more than ever, because let's discuss for a second, Adam decided to email me a long email. I right? apologize no. for Wade's no. response, Adam. No. <laughs> okay, listen, Adam, Adam decided to kind of do a... Um, a political email, which is fine. But if you're going to do a political email, you're going to get a political email. Yeah, but... So, no, no, Adam, Adam's fine. He's cool. He doesn't have issues with us. He doesn't have issues with the other side. All I, was I don't have say, issues with the no, other side. No, all I was going to say is your response to Adam, you started out by saying you're entitled to believe whatever you want to believe yeah. or something yeah. along those lines. And then you proceeded to push your opinions on him. <laughs> so that's all I wanted to say. Sorry, Adam, for that part. I mean, I don't care what people believe, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do is... Um, kind of like Jerome I'm trying to get people a little more open-minded <laughs> to kind of come more to the middle so we can all get along instead of being on the left or the right if I we actually can... understand your thinking yeah. but here's yeah. my thing if you don't want people pushing the vaccine on you don't push your political beliefs on them it's the same thing. oh why did I push some vaccine on people no what did I say did you hear what I just said oh yeah 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 well I mean I think it was just a conversation about what's going on in the world and views of how he feels and and my views of how I feel he he voiced his opinion I voiced my opinion and now <laughs> We know where we both are. As long as you both are cool with that. Cool. Let's, let's sit sorry. down and have it. Let's sit down and have a drink and have a big birthday cake together. I don't get involved. I'm in ready. Emails. I know. Yeah. So that's another <laughs> thing, guys. If you email, it's you, if you if you're emailing us, it's usually me uh, getting back to you at like four in the morning. We both read them, but yeah. we like to respond. So. Right. I like to respond. So with that, we're going to do a special birthday. <laughs> And we're going to kind of do a special birthday song for Adam. And here we go. And yes, it's still Lindsay's and John's. Don't worry about that. But <laughs> this is for Adam. Okay. <laughs> here we go. It's your birthday and we want you to have fun. It's your birthday. So let's party everyone. It's your birthday and we want you to have fun. It's your birthday. So let's party everyone. 
Okay, happy birthday to all three of you. Yes, happy birthday. All right, all right. Now we're going to get into the most wonderful part of the podcast, the news. <laughs> right? We didn't want to do no, it. No, we didn't want it because this is just going to be a long podcast I again. Know. So let's not kind of make the news too crazy long. But we can't just leave this stuff out, so let's be quick. All right, yeah. let's go. COVID cases have now been at triple digits for two weeks. There are fears of shutdowns again if this continues with the vaccination out. This was highly unexpected, but only started since we stopped testing vaccinated people on July 8th. Clearly, the vaccination stops major illness, but does not stop you from being a carrier of the virus and spreading it. So the bottom line is we need to take care of our health. As we know, the elderly, the unhealthy, the obese, and those who have uh, underlying health conditions are the majority of those who pass away from COVID. Uh, unfortunately, this is something we're going to have to live with now. I, I, I don't want to say this, but I really do have a feeling that we're probably going to have to live with this for the rest of our lives. I mean, like, we'll in some say, capacity. Maybe it'll like you know even out and not be so deadly at some point. We'll, well see. I agree, but I think it's going to be something to where COVID is going to be seasonal, yearly, like the like flu. Like the flu, yeah. Like the flu. And so yeah. you kind of missed, I mean, you cited triple digits, but I think you need to stress how much our, how Hundreds. drastically H- our Hundreds. count increased. It went from like, we were in the 200s, 20 three, to no, we were like no, 20 no. to 30 before we opened to uh, one week, yes. not testing the vaccinated. But one week ago, we were 200, 300 a day, which we thought was extreme. And then all of a sudden, it was 620, 500. Something, then 500, then 450. Like, it's yeah. been, we've had nothing like this since the start of COVID. No, and this is one of the things where I was, you know, we, we were discussing um, off the show that uh, it's kind of like... Uh, it's like we've had this like sheet pulled over our eyes. It's just like we're seeing how much of a joke it is now because we we have fifty thousand people coming in today, uh, in a day, and the, the the vaccinated are not being tested, which started on July eighth. It's a shame that we, we we should be testing everybody, right? We should just be testing everybody. We should everybody. be testing everybody, but yeah. I also think you should stop harping on that. <laughs> I know I'm gonna like harp on that because it's so annoying. I know, but the thing is, is they're saying that it's community spread, but it's community spread because someone gave it to the community and then but it's then being spread on the flip side if more people were vaccinated it wouldn't be an issue so it is but i mean I get both sides we're at 60 percent vaccination that's really good it's i think that's enough, good clearly yeah, well, would, well people listen people are just not going to take it that's just and you and can't that's force fine, people but that's the risk you get yeah it is like then you have to live with knowing that you might yeah you might get sick yeah, yeah 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 but the it'd be nice if we knew how many of the cases are from vaccinated people and not vaccinated people. Then that may really that now that's gonna that's that's knowledge for the public too. If put it this way, let's say we had let's say we had six hundred cases and five hundred and fifty of them were non vaccinated. That would wake up the community to go get vaccinated. Right. Because it's, I don't, do you hear what I'm saying though? I actually don't know if they have that information like I wish they, they did. Do. So I just think that most vaccinated people, if they do happen to carry it, they don't know they're carrying it. So they're not getting tested. Right. So they're not going to be in the number count. Well, I don't know. We don't know because they are saying that people come in with some illness, but they've been vaccinated. So they're out of the hospital in a day. Sure, some, yeah. Right. Well, let's get a number. I'm saying most of them probably aren't. Well, I, I I believe the majority of people that are in these tests are vaccinated. 
That's what I'm saying. Okay. You, you have a different opinion. And I, I have a different I opinion. I believe that most people who are vaccinated who might contract it don't know they're sick because they don't feel anything. Uh, I agree with that. So they're not getting tested. I agree with that. But yeah. somehow, somehow these people are getting tested. All but right, let's move on. All right. Yeah, we could go on forever about this. But yeah. so, yeah. So that's a problem right now here in Hawaii. And we don't know how much worse it's going to get and if we're going to start to go to lockdowns again. And well, it sounds like we're not. Well, uh, yes, it, we will. Because if it goes up to 500, 600, 700, 800, we're going to have 1,000 people in the hospital. And yes, we will shut down. So because I, we won't have any hospital I capacity. Mean, we'll see what happens. Right As of right now, school starts for the kids on Tuesday. And they said That's despite the surge, school is going to reopen fully in person on Tuesday. And everybody should calm down. And what's the percent? <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. What is, the, what is the percentage of kids right now? 25 to 30% are getting COVID now? Well, that's not, no. 25 to 30% of our COVID cases are kids. Are kids. Yeah, you so, said that wrong. Okay, so then, so yeah, so that's how much have it right now of the cases. Well, that's what I'm, we're all saying. So that's concerning compared to last year when kids weren't getting it, you know. But now they're saying, oh, yes, kids are getting it, but they're not getting as sick, so it's okay, calm down. That was literally the video I watched this morning. Well, that's <laughs> insane. Like, wow, that's insane. These poor parents. I, I feel bad. Yeah, because they're going to be yeah. spreading it to their households when they go home. If, just, the, if the kids are spreading it among each other. Right, right. I just th- yeah. think that it's putting parents in a bad position it's putting them in a bad position so bad and the timing is horrible so i didn't expect this to happen i expected kids to go back to school everyone was going to be good and now if once school starts we'll put it this way if now school starts and we see it be starting to spread more in the community from the children that's going to be a problem something's going to have to happen something's going to have to change yeah yeah okay the state's department of parks and recreation along with hanauma bay will be doing a pilot program to allow locals kama'aina access to the marine preserve without reservations how many times have we been talking about this what's going on with this here it is yeah so it's just for a week and a half it started on last wednesday so it's not too much longer actually yeah so the program will go on from august 28th to august no, July. No, uh, August 20... Wait, oh, July 28th to August 8th. Yeah. Okay, and we're going to see... They, they said they're going to see if they can manage it properly. Uh, looks like they took our advice. We kind of talked about this, what was yeah, it, last week? Yeah, so they're going to let locals in with no reservations, but again, only if they're not at capacity. If they're at capacity, then you still have to wait in line until people leave. Yeah. So you have to still get there at like early in the morning. Yeah, but at least they're letting us in. Yeah, so I'm really excited. I'm hoping to take advantage of it. Okay, well, let's go do that. Yeah, let's do because it. Because we only have, what, this week then? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know God. how we're going to do Why is this happening? Do you, yeah. It's like we don't have time. It's like when are we going to have time to do this? I don't know. Oh, man. Maybe well, I'll have to be, take a day off. Well, you know what? It'd be <laughs> nice to get in there and see how it's working, and we can come back and tell everybody how it looks, yeah. how it feels. Is it a disaster? I really want to. I'll, I'll see yeah. if I can take a day off. <laughs> well, I mean, this is the thing we were worried about because I had brought up, you know, this, the uh, the community should file a class action against the state for not allowing local, peop- lo- local people to do these things. Right. And it's and hopefully this is something that they're going to test. It's something they'll con- continue to do. I hope so. And they should put in parking for locals. It should, it should, instead of saying handicap, it should say local parking. Yeah, I agree. Well, not instead of, but in addition to. No, in addition. Yeah, yeah in addition. And to, yeah, I whatever. agree, yeah. Okay, 21-year-old local girl drowns at Makapu Tide Pools found off of Allen Davis Beach. This is heartbreaking. It's nothing new. It's nothing new. It happens all the time. It happened in like 2016, I think. It was a dad and a son who yeah. drowned there. I don't know what's going on with, uh, I mean, like I said that I had, you know, rescued some people by calling them on one, I don't know, a month ago, I think. And, uh, but these are local people. So local people are dying too. So it's just not vacationers that are making mistakes. I know, I know. Yeah. I think when you're young and you're 20 years old and you just feel invincible, you think you can just do whatever you want. And I remember when I was, I should be dead already. 
I remember the things I did when I was 20. It was, if I was in Hawaii and I did the things that I did back home, I probably would be dead. Yeah. It's crazy. So you got to be very careful here in Hawaii, especially along the, the shoreline. And we've been having some yeah. crazy weather. I mean, it's not been normal summer for us. This is not been us. summer. It, the winds, the trade winds have been really strong. Yeah, so I mean, you, you got to pay close attention to the forecast before you go out. That's yeah. the problem. It, it's scary, yeah. And, you know, for uh, a parent to lose their young child, 21 years old, I mean, that's can't just, imagine. I can't imagine. So, you know, if you are a parent here locally, or if you're just a parent on vacation, the ocean is the most dangerous thing here in Hawaii. And, and, and if your kids go out and you know they're going somewhere dangerous, tell them. Yeah. Be careful. Don't get co too close to the edge. Yeah. Watch the waves. Never turn your back on the ocean. These things you got to tell people. I see it every day at Helena Cove. There's I people taking do. selfies and they're turning their backs on the ocean all the time. And I'm just I'm like, I can't. It's like, it's like a roll of the dice. You got to be careful. So please be careful out there in the ocean. All right, 30,000 acres are burning out of control in the Waimea area on Big Island, around the area we want to look I for know, land. this is horrible. Oh, God, this is the worst fire that I know of since I've been here in Hawaii. Now, no one's really talking about it because our COVID cases are out of control, and that's the main focus, but this is a huge problem here right now, and 30,000 acres uh, or more have, have been burning. It's starting to get close to a community. The community has to evacuate. There's only way, one way out. So if they wait too long to evacuate the five to 6,000 people, that's it for them. So they need to make a decision, leave now I, or don't leave. I believe they've already been told to evacuate. I don't know if everybody's listening. Okay, okay. We'll see. So putting fire aside, I think me and you are maybe more me because you've been vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, I'm nervous right now about going to Big Island in a few weeks at all. So, so, yeah, Pete and Mark, we need to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, because with cases getting out of control and planes at, f you know, full capacity, it's 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 clear, you know, it's it's probably just not a safe time to travel right now. And I don't really know how, I don't even really know what to say. We're just going to monitor that. it over the next few days and then we'll yeah. have to make a decision. Yeah, we'll have to. Yeah. And just go from there because, um, you know, we planned this out for a while. Mm. Our, so excited. Uh, we can't get refunded now for the so that, for our plane tickets. Yeah, our airfare was non-refundable, but that's because we got such an amazing deal. I know, deal. we got an amazing deal. <laughs> but still. This is, you know, we're all going through this right now. The states on the mainland, they're dealing with, you know, surges and, and COVID. And it's kind of putting a stop on everybody's life once again. It's just like, oh, you know, you can only put up with this for so long before people start to lose it. I'm like, I'm just getting, I'm just so sick of this. Yeah. You know, and it's screwing up people's lives and screwing up people's plans. Okay, let's talk Olympics. Women's oh. surf competition, Caressa Moore from Hawaii gets gold. gold. Yeah. So that's exciting. So first of all, it's the first Olympics ever with surfing in it. And yeah. at these first surfing uh, surfing event in the Olympics, she, a, a native Hawaiian, wins gold. That's incredible. 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 Now, as far as I know, the man, was he knocked out a little earlier? I think so. And then I think we were doing skateboarding, I think, was in the Olympics, too. For the first time, too. Yeah, and we had some people from Hawaii in that, and I think they were knocked out, too. But they were in there, they competed, and that's really awesome. That was starting to get Hawaiians into this, you know, into the Olympics here, which is really great. That's been happening since Duke Hanamoku. Yeah. So, which is really awesome. So, uh, you know, overall, USA is doing amazing in the games and currently leads the world in overall medals. Uh, with 50 or more and is competing against China for first and gold as well. I think they're behind China by a few in gold, but we're right up there. So by the end of this, you know, maybe 
here comes the United States again. We'll see. But I'm kind of shocked at like, a, you know, we're, we're watching the Olympics and it's like Philippines gets their first gold medal. Yeah, it's cool. And what was the other first gold medal in Brazil for? Uh, gymnastics. Gymnastics. Brazil, yeah. It so was it's like, it's just shocking to see like these countries, they're so crying and so excited to get their first medal. And like United States and I know, Russia so and China many. have hundreds. I love watching countries get their first medal. I do too. In the men's gymnastics, there was like, what, was it Ireland? No, no, no. No, it was, it was, um, oh, well, Britain, the Britain guy got a couple already. Yeah, they've had medals before. It was Taiwan got a oh, silver. Right. And I think that was, I think that was the, f I don't know if that was the first, but I don't think it was, but. I can't um, remember. Yeah, so I found that interesting too, that it's, um, Taiwan is not actually represented as Taiwan. It's represented as China, Taipei. Yeah. And we're sitting here going, like, I think that? this is, <laughs> this is just so they, so the, so the Olympics don't piss off China, I imagine. I don't know. Because they don't want to actually say that Taiwan's its own country. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, they're like, but this isn't anything new. There's a lot of people that have to be careful about saying Taiwan is its own country because then China gets pissed, cuts you off, <laughs> does all these things. So anyways, but China's up there. You can't say they're not good athletes. They're excellent athletes. And, oh, of course. You know, they probably get a beating if they lose when they get home. But other than that, I think... And the Russian team being ROC has <laughs> been making me laugh. The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Russia... So talk, explain that. Yeah, so because of all the doping, I yeah. guess, um, Russia was told they couldn't compete at this Olympic Games. But then it was decided that that was unfair for the athletes who hadn't been doping. So the ones who hadn't been doping are allowed to compete, but they're not allowed to compete for Russia, per se. So they're competing for ROC, which stands for Russian Olympic Committee. And when they win medals, they're not allowed to put up the Russian flag or play the Russian national anthem. Um, uh, this has been going on since Drago was doping up, you know, and, you know, they really believe Balboa had no chance against Drago, you know, but he was doping. Everybody knows he was doping. They gave friggin' Balboa a friggin' barn and some wood and some chains to work out before he fought him. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just kind of listening. I'm not even paying that much attention, <laughs> to be honest. Okay. Jesus, <laughs> God help. <laughs> Ro actually Rocky Four. Rocky, okay. Yeah, I don't Okay, watch. so Drago was the Russian, and he was doping. Oh, okay. And he went against Rocky, and Rocky still kicked his ass. Oh, I wish I was. I wish I was actually listening to you because I would have figured it out. <laughs> but see, I said Balboa. I never said Rocky. So you're kind of like, what's he talking about? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I never. I never. I love you. I love you so much. Aww, thanks. <laughs> I never watched the Rocky movies, but I've run up the steps before. Okay, you've done pictures. that. Okay, that's good. I'm, I'm gonna see. You. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! So uh, news just came up. Why Kaloa Village? Has Why been Kaloa? Must evacuate at once. Oh my god, that's where we're looking. Oh, Shoot. no. That's where we're staying, isn't it? No, oh, it's no. Not, no, it's not where we're staying. But Waikoloa is more toward the Kona side. Oh, Kona, that right. place is like one of the most richest communities on the island. It is. It's beautiful. Right? You know oh, why? No. The wind. The wind is going from the east to the north. So that, yes, that's it's right. Bad. It would be. It could take out Waikoloa. Oh, my gosh. Holy God. That's going to be a disaster. I know. That's a really nice area. Yeah, guys. So that just came in on the news flash right here in Hawaii News Now. It came out on my phone. That is pretty devastating. So we'll see what happens to that. We'll keep you posted for next week. Maybe it'll be gone by then. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Stop it. It'll, that would be devastating. Would you, don't be devastating. Need, you don't even need lava for this. I mean, what is going on? That's oh. nuts. Okay, we're going to keep you guys updated and... Uh, 
yeah, yeah. because right now it's just been out there in pasture fields in a small community of 6,000. Uh, but if it hits Waikoloa, that I, I never thought that it could get that far that quickly. But the wind must be so bad. That's probably what's spreading it. Yeah, and hey, not to go back, well, okay, to go back to the Olympics just really quickly, I just want to give a huge shout out to Simone Biles. (laughs) You had to go there, didn't you? I do, because as somebody who was a competitive gymnast during my childhood, um, I just, there's so much to the story that people don't know or understand, and I just have the utmost respect for her for choosing her mental health and putting it first. I think that took incredible strength. I think she's an amazing role model to all the younger kids, the gymnasts out there watching her, and I hope nobody's bad-mouthing her because <laughs> I guarantee that you don't know the full story, and if you did, you would understand. Oh, God. I'm not going to go not. there. But there's so much more to this story than the public who don't follow gymnastics know of, and it just uh, kills me. So Amanda is really big into gymnastics because she did gymnastics when she was younger. It was my entire life, gymnastics. Yeah, gymnastics was. It was everything. Yeah, so... I'm not going to discuss her story. No. I'm just going to let you talk about her. I don't have anything bad to say about her. I just, like, we could get into a little conversation about her. Do you want to? No, I mean. Okay, let's keep it to two minutes. Okay. Simone Biles was, I mean, she hasn't lost a competition in seven years. She is the greatest gymnast of all time. By far, she's competing skills harder and better than the men gymnasts. I mean, she's incredible. At the last Olympics in 2016, she pretty much swept the Olympic Games Mm. with medals. Um, She also was molested by USA team doctor, which USA Gymnastics Mm kind of tried to sweep under the rug. And um, it wasn't just her. It was many gymnasts. Um, And it was not just the last Olympics. It was going on for a long, long time. Um, Going back to like the 80s, I believe. And then when it did come out after the Olympics... um, You know, Simone actually left the sport. I think she was going to retire, um, but then she ended up coming back to protect the younger gymnasts in the sport because she felt like if everybody who had been affected Mm -hmm. or molested left the sport, then USA Gymnastics wouldn't make the changes they needed to make to protect the younger gymnasts. And um, she wanted to be their spokesperson. So she came back after a couple of years off of gymnastics right before COVID mm-hmm. and again like blew us away with how good she was and um yeah so she was winning every competition she looked amazing she had two new skills named after her this past year and she gets to the Olympic Games and just had this huge mental block and I've got to imagine that going back to 2016 Olympics and being molested there I imagine there's yeah. a lot of unresolved trauma coming back. Yeah, she didn't of, say yeah. that. She yeah. didn't say that, but I would imagine um, with this mental block. And she, her mental block is with twisting. So basically every event involves mm-hmm. a lot of twisting. And if you did watch the women's prelims, you would have seen that she almost really hurt herself on a vault because she got lost in the air and didn't know where she was mm. and didn't know how to land safely. Um, so she got scared and ended up pulling out of the rest of the competition so far. Yeah. So that's her story, I guess. So it just really breaks my heart to hear people bad-mouthing her. A few moments later. All right, so let's get into... Flora and Fauna. Okay. <laughs> Ready to start with Flora? Yeah. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Albizia tree. This is introduced and invasive. 
It's a large tree growing up to 100 feet tall, and it's the fastest growing tree in the world, up to 15 feet per year. Sounds like it's a fact. Really? Yeah. Huh. Do, hey, do we have bamboo in this list? I don't remember. Huh. I thought bamboo was the fastest. Oh, no. Bamboo is the fastest growing grass. Is that considered a tree? I don't know. Huh. But the albizer is the fastest growing tree. Yeah. I'm All not right. an expert. Anybody sorry. let us know about this, because <laughs> I do think I, I uh, bamboo is the fastest growing yeah, that's not a tree, though. Right. I think it's a grass. So it's the fastest growing grass. And we talked about this before. So, okay. Gotcha. It was introduced to Hawaii over 100 years ago and has been identified as one of the most problematic invasive species affecting Hawaiian communities today. It spreads rapidly and dominates its surroundings, and therefore, it's a major threat to our native ecosystems. The tree also poses a threat to our public safety, as Albizia is notorious for its tendency to lose large, heavy limbs and even mild winds and damaging houses, roads, and other public infrastructures. Yeah. So that is a huge problem. <laughs> is that it? is that all you got on that one? Yep. The um, I think I, th I think it's mainly because the root system is closer to the top of the soil than going down, right. and I think that's why it so easily falls over. And a lot of places in the Big Island, for instance, if you go purchasing some land on the Big Island, that's one of the things that we need to look at. Is uh, you don't want a lot of albiza trees on your property because uh, you're probably going to have to cut a, a lot of them down if you plan on putting homes around. Because in winds... They cause threats. Well, let's just say this. You have a bamboo home that's going to be able to handle a Category 4 or 5, and then you have albizas falling all over your house. <laughs> well, that would be ridiculous. That would be a waste yeah. of why you got the bamboo house to sustain you. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, so you got to cut the albiza trees down. So I didn't know there was a... I didn't know they were that, that like, horribly invasive, like they were calling and choking out the indigenous forest, kind of like the, um, the banyan tree. Yeah. Huh, that's interesting. Well... Yeah. I love. I like the look of the tree. It's a I beautiful looking tree. Yeah, I do too. Uh, maybe we just won't have too many on the property. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go on to Noni. Oh, that's I love Noni. I do too. Yeah. Noni was introduced to Hawaii. Noni fruit grows on a small tree or shrub found mainly in the lush tropical island terrains of the Pacific Islands. Mm. Noni has a long history and is considered one of the most significant ingredients in traditional medicines used by the Polynesian right. kahunas or the healers of the islands. Right on. The fruit of the noni plant looks like a small bumpy potato, green at first, turning to a yellowish white when ripe. People living on the island have used noni for thousands of years. In 400 AD, Hawaii Loa, a Polynesian chief, brought the noni fruit on a 2,400-mile journey from Tahiti to a newly discovered island chain that eventually took his name Hawaii. What? what? Did you know that? No, I did I not. I didn't either. Holy shit. Yeah, wow. pretty cool. That is cool. Traditionally, noni has been used to treat numerous symptoms such as joint pain, immune problems, colds, infections, digestive disorders, injuries, and inflammation. The ancient Polynesians also used noni for food and dye for cloth, but mainly it was used for its medicinal properties. And we both love it. Uh, yeah, we love it. We love the noni lotion that you can get at yeah. the... Um, Macnut Farm. Yeah, the the, uh, the noni farm is actually on the island of Kauai. But I'm sure every island has plenty of noni. Every island has noni. Right. But farm-wise, I don't know if there's a lot of noni farms. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's great for healing joint pain like my knee. I have a lot of pain in my knee, and it's based, based around inflammation. And I'll just put that on it, and I'll feel so much better. Also, my elbows, I was using it before mm -hmm. I used the kava. Right. Uh, so it really helped me 
during that time period before I found something that I needed. But the whole time is what I needed was I needed something internal. Now, you can get Noni internally, too. Yeah. By doing, like, a tea or doing, yep. um, you know, these pills and things like that. So maybe if I had taken that in kava, then, you know, but it doesn't matter because my pain has gone now from the kava. Yeah. You know, I have a noni tea. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Now, they say a lot of things with uh, talking about COVID, that COVID causes an inflammation in the lungs and causes an inflammation in the body, too. And there's been word that if you combine kava and noni internally, it can help with the COVID symptoms. Oh, I didn't hear um, that, but that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, especially for people who have lung COVID, the ones that continue to have this these problems yeah that they should try uh kava and noni oh so. that's interesting and that's i think the big thing with this um delta variant is yeah. the uh, respiratory problems inflammation yeah so that's really yeah. good that's good to know yeah it's good to know and um so i think anybody who comes to hawaii or chooses to live in hawaii uh should definitely add the additions of noni and kava to their diet in some form or another or at least to your medicine cabinets yes at least to your medicine <laughs> cabinets i agree yeah. okay next we have breadfruit trees Yay! they were introduced to hawaii called ulu in hawaiian mm -hmm. it's a large Fake pineapple tree yeah it's a large tree <laughs> more than 60 feet tall with broad sculpted dark green leaves the famous breadfruit produces a round head size green fruit that's a staple in polynesia when roasted or baked the whitish yellow meat tastes somewhat like a sweet potato oh it, this is the ula tree yeah it also i screwed has, up i screwed up oh it's so not the fake pineapple tree the i didn't hala. think so do we have hala didn't we we, we did it last that? week. Yeah, we already talked oh, about that Oh, yes, one. the hala tree is the fake pineapple tree. I was tree. like, wait, did I already do this one? Sorry, You're confusing no, no, me. the breadfruit, because the breadfruit is actually a much better fruit to have than the hala fruit. Yeah, and it you has get medicinal properties, uh, Even too. I can get confused, too. Yeah, okay. it, no, it is confusing. Breadfruit is native to New Guinea and huh. was brought to the Hawaiian Islands by Polynesian voyagers around 300 AD as a canoe plant. Huh. The bark and wood were perfect for building outrigger canoes, and the sap was used as a sealant to make them waterproof. Huh. It's also used to make surfboards, Hawaiian drums, and used as material for building houses. How about that? The breadfruit tree? Yeah. I've Did you know? I never knew they made any surfboards out of breadfruit I think it's talking about, tree. like, um, you know, back in, in the 300 days. AD. In yeah. the days. Wow. <laughs> but that's pretty that, cool. That is pretty cool. Okay, next we have macadamia nut. All right. Also introduced to Hawaii. From where? A transplant from Australia. Cool. Macadamia People nuts. People don't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Macadamia nuts have become a commercial crop in recent decades in Hawaii, especially in Big Island and Maui. The large trees up to 60 feet tall bear a hard-shelled nut encased in a leathery husk, which splits open and dries when the nut is ripe. Hmm. Hawaii is still one of the world's largest producers of mac nuts, and we were once known as a mac nut capital of the world, producing wow. up to 90% of the world's mac nuts. Man. Once upon a time. Sounds like the pineapple when you could produce 70% <laughs> of the world's exactly. pineapples. Wow. What are we doing? The, I know. Things have changed. No, was, remember so we much. talked about how we have to become more self-sufficient yes. and, and, and um, export more? I don't know why we're not producing more and exporting more and making more money. We should be, right? Absolutely. Once upon a time we were. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. The first tree was planted in Hawaii and Big Island in 1882. Huh. Okay. Next Interesting. We have coffee. Hey, did you ever, uh, ever have a macadamia nut before it's ripe? No. Yeah, so you have it when it's green, when it just starts to split up like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. You cut it open then, it tastes like a coconut. 
Really? It's really good. No, I, I, I like it right before it becomes ripe. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it tastes like a little mini coconut. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Okay, coffee. Mm -hmm. Coffee was introduced to Hawaii as well. Coffee was first introduced to Hawaii by the way of Brazil in the 1820s. Ooh. The first known plantings were in Manoa Valley on Oahu, although they didn't take well. By 1828, coffee had landed on Big Island, first planted in Hilo area. Later that year, seedlings were planted in Kona region. The coffee trees took off here in Kona, and Kona coffee was born. So it's funny they were first trying to plant it in the rainforest areas. It probably got a lot of uh, rot on them from yeah. being in the tropical rainforest. A lot of mildew and rot, and that's and they needed the dryer. Yeah. The breeze, too, though. The wind probably is a contributor to how Kona coffee grows. Um, that's interesting, though, because it originally came from Brazil. I don't I don't believe do you, ha you don't have pineapple on this list at all, do you? I do. Oh, okay. We'll talk about that later, then. Yeah. Um, but the um, it's, it's, it's Brazilian coffee. That happened to grow really well in Kona, and now it's called Kona Coffee. Right. Isn't that yeah. funny? Yeah, that yeah, is funny. It, it is, is funny. funny. Yeah. I agree. Hawaii is the only state that produces coffee commercially. Coffee is an evergreen shrub with shiny, waxy, dark green pointed leaves. The flower is a small, fragrant white blossom that develops into half-inch berries that turn bright red when ripe. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yep. All right. Is that it for coffee? That's it for coffee. Oh, there's so many different coffees. Like the Peabury. The Peabury Kona coffee. Oh, I didn't go into all of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think we talked about coffee before in a previous one, but, you know, it depends if everyone listened to it because this is a free episode. But um, there's so many different kind of coffees. So and every every island has different coffee. Yeah, the Peabury I tried for the first time Peabury, yeah. last Christmas when Mark was here. He bought some, yeah. remember? It's really excellent. Yeah, it was yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's really excellent. And that the number of coffee beans that a Peabury... There, uh, there's so many few on a tree compared to just regular coffee. Which is why it's so expensive. It's so expensive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't tell you. What? So I just recently was to the Wailua Coffee Mill. Yeah. They just got in coffee that is from a, di this is crazy, it's from a different area of the Big Island. Okay. And they're saying now this will replace Kona. What do you mean? Oh, it's higher. It's higher quality. Okay. And it's more expensive than Kona. Do you know where it's from? It begins with a W. It's somewhere on the Big Island. Huh. I was looking at it so they wouldn't let us have samples. Really? Because they just started to get it in and it's like in it. But they show the region of where it is. And so I don't know if you guys, you don't know anything about this. It's the first time you're hearing about it because it's the first time I heard about it. But there's a higher quality coffee on the Big Island than Kona now. Wow. And I'm so shocked. Did you happen to notice what the pricing was on it? The price was about 10 to $15 higher than Kona. Whoa, and that's already so expensive. I know, <laughs> I know. So um, if you guys are on Oahu and you want to check out some really cool stuff, you got to go to the Wailua Sugarcane Mill Plantation. It's got coffee, chocolate. Are we yeah, talking we about cacao? Are we talking about cacao today? Oh, I don't think so. Okay, so cacao, uh, like coffee is the only state in the United States that grows uh, coffee. We're also the only state in the country that grows cacao and chocolate. Right. So chocolate is also at this Wailua place too. So good. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. I'd love to get the owner in here, that place. And we love their soaps too. Oh, the filthy, <laughs> the dirty, filthy soaps. I know. That whole place is great. They got great Hawaiian hula uh, cigars and kawaii cigars and um, you know, king, that's king true. cigars. If you all are here and you want like a legit, authentic place to buy souvenirs, Absolutely. that's a great place. It's amazing. It was, it was, you know, it's been around since the 1800s. Uh, I'm so happy that it didn't go under over COVID because yeah. I was talking to the owner and the owner's like, you know, thank, they, he, he's actually in there now. He's in a wheelchair 
and um, he, he's going around the whole store and he's saying, thank you so much for coming in and keeping us open. So sweet. Well, the problem is, is the one route that most people go to is closed. I know. So because it's hard of the bridge. To get there. Yeah. Since the flood. And it's going to be a long time, I heard, yeah. before that's so you have Yeah. So you have to go around the other way now. So yeah. he's just happy that everyone's still finding them. Yeah. Because that would be uh, just a horrible tragedy if we lost that place. Oh my gosh, totally. And I had friends visiting this summer and they said that was like one of their favorite places that they went to. It is. It is. It's a great place. The unfortunate thing is it does close at 5 p.m. every day. It's so hard That's, to get there. It, If it could only close at 6 p.m. and maybe open an hour later, I think more people will be able to get over there because now they have to do a different route. It's true. But anyway, so check it out. And then we're also going to talk about the goat farm when we get over there we got to go to that goat farm we have to go there That's i know right. where it is now i found it maybe with desiree we could stop by oh we should yeah desiree how about that that sounds good <laughs> we'll do a beach and then goat farm yeah we just gotta we have them on uh instagram we gotta look it up okay okay cool sorry <laughs> <laughs> okay banana right on or maya do you know that maya is a hawaiian word maya. banana. is that the name of it yeah do you, does it say here where the bananas are from well let me get started okay there. interesting i'm interested to know that <laughs> <laughs> Introduced to Hawaii, it's indigenous to warm, moist regions of Southern Asia. Okay. It's thought that the banana was dispersed among the Pacific Islands by Polynesians. Hmm. The banana tree is one of the most popular food plants of the tropics. Ancient Hawaiians developed 70 varieties of banana. <laughs> Even though it is listed here as a tree, well, we're calling it a tree. Yeah. Banana is actually not a tree. Did you know that? I did not know this. I did not know this. So this is interesting to me because I always call it a banana tree. Even though some varieties can reach heights of up to 30 feet tall, it's not a tree. What is it? Does (laughs) it say what it is? It doesn't say exactly. Is it a plant? Yeah, it just said plant. See, that's interesting because so if nobody knows, the banana tree only produces one batch. Right. So I'm wondering if that's why they're not calling it a tree because trees continue to grow and continue to flower and continue to produce fruits like a mango tree and things like that. And maybe the banana tree is just a plant that it grows and then it dies. Yeah, I'm going to get into that, but it, yeah, doesn't that's say, interesting. it doesn't say why it's not a tree. Yeah, huh. so we'll have to look that up. Interesting. The banana plant's trunks or stalks contain gallons of water. The stalks are leaf stems that grow very tightly together. They are so tight that new leaves that want to grow up from the center produce a talcum powder to ease their way up. Did you know that? No. You know, it's funny. All the bananas we've cut down, I've never noticed that. Well, what you do notice, as soon as I start to cut the banana, water is just pouring out of it. Yes. So that's what I was just saying. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys are in the jungle and you come upon a banana patch and you need something, cut down the bananas, eat the bananas, and then it's okay to cut down the tree because it's going to die anyways after the batch. Drink that water. Yeah, the stock yeah. contains gallons of water. Yeah, drink that water. I mean, it's a little more stickier than normal water, obviously, because it's inside <laughs> the... No, I'm, I'm just... Yeah, it's yeah. kind of more sappy, but it's still water. If you need to survive and you need to drink clean water, that Absolutely. would be the way to go. Yeah. After growing for about a year, the stock... I hope I just didn't kill anybody. What? Well, I don't know if it's like... Oh, <laughs> if it's like really safe? <laughs> Is water pouring out of it? Is it safe? Is it? I don't know. I would assume I w- it's safe. Well, I'm not going to tell anybody to actually do it now that I think about it. <laughs> Maybe do your research do first, Do some research on that first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would probably do it and get myself, I'd probably like cramping up and five oh, minutes later, no. I'm like, why am I cramping up? <laughs> I would just assume it's safe too. You would but assume, but yeah. it's, it, you don't know. We don't know. It's, it's probably safer than the, like the riverbed next door. Well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be safer than that. Sorry, guys. I'm not telling you to just go <laughs> drink the sap coming out of 
have a banana tree. (laughs) After growing for about a year, the stalk grows a flower spear, which comes out in the center and then hangs down and develops bananas. It's like a big penis. (laughs) After the bananas ripen. It is. Okay. The tree has to be cut down. Otherwise, it will wither and die anyway, as the banana plants bear only one stalk of fruit before they die. The core of the plant, which is located under the soil, will then send new shoots up and become a new tree. Mm-hmm. Now, now, I'm wondering if that seed thing, uh, that's the part that's edible, but I'm wondering, is that called the heart? I can't remember what it's called, but that thing that's hanging, it, yeah. it's a big pink. Flower spear. Yeah, it's like a big flower pink, really bright pink thing. Yeah. It looks like a pee-pee. It is crazy looking. Yeah, but I'm wondering if that's what they're, they cook, that you can cook that and eat it. Oh, really? Yeah, I think as far as I know, a lot of Asian, I think like Filipinos and Thai and Vietnamese, I think I sw- it's, it's either all three of them or one of them, but they, because they, they told me, they were, they, I was at the at the um, Kahuku Farmer's mm-hmm. Market, which by the way is completely redone, it's absolutely gorgeous. I know, gorgeous. I want to see it. Oh, Maybe it's you so, do that next weekend. Yeah, <laughs> it's so amazing now, but they were talking about eating the the heart of the banana or, the, or, the, or that, that seed that's sticking down at the bottom there. I don't know so what it would taste like, but... We'll have to do our research, but maybe yeah. we'll try that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, That'll I have so many banana trees. That'll be interesting. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> and I wanted to give a shout out to patron John because he's like a master at cutting down the banana <laughs> stalks now. <laughs> Last couple oh, times he came over, he banana, did it, right? The banana hunter. Yeah. yeah we cut, yeah, we he cut down all my bananas. Yep. <laughs> Okay, next we have ginger. Nice. Ginger was also introduced to Hawaii. Now, this is something that's really important to know because we have tons of ginger plants here. Not all ginger plants are edible. Mm. (laughs) Edible ginger found in supermarkets is typically Thai or Chinese ginger. Many that grow here in Hawaii are ornamental. And what's crazy is it looks like the edible ginger. Smells like it. Like my ginger plant that's on my lanai that you got me. Yeah. It's not edible, but it looks how like legit do you know? ginger. Like, how do you actually know? Because it's a yellow ginger and that's an ornamental. I researched it. So if the f- so when you say a le- yellow ginger, does that mean it's producing the yellow flower? Yes. Oh, so it's the really smelly ones? Well, I've never gotten a flower yet. We'll see this summer if I get huh. one. So it's not the red, the red, the normal red ginger that most of us have around right. the house. Okay, so you, you don't eat that. I mean, I have that outside too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. didn't know. I have the red ginger, the pink ginger. Okay. I have the... Um, there's so many different ones. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah. Anyway, white ginger and yellow ginger flowers are perhaps the most fragrant in Hawaii. Yes, that's so maybe them. They I make the lace. Those are the ones they make the lays out of. The maybe, gin- yeah. maybe I'll get some flowers this year. Ginger flowers. I hope so. Um, and they're used for perfume, too. Right. Yep. So those are the ones that you can, those are the ones that they use, you can use. Mm-hmm. The ginger root. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Usually found in clumps growing four to seven feet tall in rainy areas, they bloom from late spring to fall. Mm. Other members of the ginger family frequently seen in Hawaii include red shell and torch ginger. Oh my gosh, my the red, ones. my red and pink torch ginger I mm. have outside are insanely beautiful. Yeah, they're beautiful. And I have the shell ginger too. They're really weird looking, but mm. they're cool. Mm-hmm. Red ginger consists of tall green stalks with foot-long red flower heads. The red petals are actually bracts, which protect the one-inch-long white flowers. Red ginger, which is, does not share the heavenly smell of white ginger lasts a week or longer when cut. Shell ginger, which originated in India and Burma, thrives in cool, wet mountain forests. We have all this stuff I have here. all of them, yeah. These plants, with their pearly white clamshell-like blossoms, bloom from spring to fall. And then, 
perhaps the most exotic ginger is the red or pink torch ginger. Mm. Cultivated in Malaysia as seasoning, torch ginger rises directly out of the ground. The flower stalks, which are about five to eight inches in length, resemble the fire of a lighted torch. Oh, mm. that's how it got its name. Yeah, you have that right to the back of your house. I Those, have so many yeah, right now. Yeah, they you, bloom year round, but right now they're just they're going beautiful. Crazy. But they're like the stalk. The stalk is different than the other gingers. It's just like this big stalk. It's a giant, thick stalk. Like you yeah. would need a machete to cut it down. I feel like. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you can just pick it. Yeah, no, you can't just pick it. No. It's really interesting. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's it. Ginger. What about the honeycomb ginger? You know I, did, I didn't put all the different types in okay, there, but, but they're cool. You know the honeycomb ginger, right? Yeah, I it's love like it. red, yellow, orange, Pink. and 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 the, all the water gets stuck in all the little things. Mm-hmm. It's it's like one of the most beautiful gingers. You know where we saw a ton of that was yeah. um, Lion's Arboretum. Oh yes, there's a lot there. They yeah. have like everything there, and and when you go back and you're talking about the bananas. They have the pink bananas, pink bananas there. So come to find out, there are blue bananas. Now there are ice bl- cream bananas. Yes. So when before they're ripe, before they turn yellow, because I was talking to her. Uh, the, um, what's her name? Oh man, oh, God. I asked you about these. Yes, you asked me, and then uh, so I have asked her Who, about Kahuku. Yeah, Kahuku Land Farms. Okay. I think her name's Chan. Um, but I asked her, and she says she says yes when they're. Um, premature as they're growing a lot some of the ice cream bananas they're coming in blue but they don't really look vibrant like the pictures no, you see no. on yeah, social media that was all photoshopped yeah that's photoshopped and and they showing that the that the banana itself is blue that's not true yeah either. that's not true so the outside is a, like a light blue greenish and then it, but a little more toward the blue and then it turns to yellow obviously it still ripens yellow yeah, so that was misleading it's misleading yeah, yeah. But, the, but the pink a pink the pink a pink oh my gosh the pink bananas again. now you can eat those supposedly but they got a lot of like, black seeds in them you can eat them i didn't know you can eat them but they have a lot of black seeds in them and they haven't been now unfortunately i think we all know this a lot of our fruits today have been gmo'd oh so to remove the seeds okay so those have not been done that nothing you know nothing's been done nothing's been done to those yet so that's the way bananas should be growing in the wild yeah and yes you can eat them but they're gonna have a little bit of a different taste oh i want to try one and they're gonna be seeded so, so, yeah, if you want to see these beautiful, vibrant pink bananas, go to Lion's Arboretum. Right, exactly. Yeah, they right have on. them. All right, Birds of Paradise. This is my favorite flower in the world. Really? I love Bird of Paradise. Okay. They were introduced to Hawaii. These natives of South Africa have become something of a trademark in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. They're easily recognizable by the orange and blue flowers nestled in gray-green bracts, looking somewhat like birds in flight. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I have my bird of paradise, and I would say it's not the rainforest. It doesn't thrive there. It's doing well. Mm. It just doesn't flower. Those are one of the one of the flowers, or is it considered? What is it considered? A plant? A tree? What is it? A plant. It's a plant. Yeah. So those are. Those can be found in a lot of different states, yeah. like California or Florida or any of the warmer I know. tropical. So pretty, well, more with tropical states. So if you guys, tropical. yeah. So I'm sure you guys have seen them before yeah. in person. Yeah. Okay. Next we have anthuriums, and I love these too. Mm-hmm. Introduced to Hawaii, originally from the hot, humid rainforests of Central and South America. More than 550 species exist, but the most popular are the heart-shaped red, orange, pink, white, and purple flowers mm. with tail-like spades. Mm. So I have the pink and red, and I love okay. them. Right on. 
These exotic plants have no scent, but will last several weeks as cut flowers. They're particularly prevalent on Big Island, and they're beautiful on Big Island, really like fully colored and shiny, waxy looking. More than likely, you guys have one of these in your house. It's a plant. If you like tropical plants, you probably have one of these in your house. Yeah, you might. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just a tad bit of history. Samuel Mills Damon, Hawaii's Minister of Finance, huh? first brought the anthurium to Hawaii in 1889 to plant in the gardens of his estate. And that's how it spread. By wow. 1930s and 40s, people were planting them all over Hawaii. So crazy. Isn't that wild? I had to well, that. like, you know, everything's brought here. And the thing is that everything grows here. Yeah. Everything <laughs> will go crazy here. Whatever you have, wherever you have, you know, have some tropical plant, it'll grow a million times larger here and, and just take over a forest even quicker yeah yeah so the next one is tea leaf amazing plant yeah and i've got to say i found a little contradictory information i found that it was um both indigenous and introduced so i'm not sure which one's accurate hmm and well i wonder how it could be brought here uh, you know before the polynesians as a canoe plant is that like as a canoe plant okay or and then the other one said indigenous so i was like well which one is it I, i'm not maybe sure. the birds somehow pooped it here <laughs> i don't know i could could have been but there's nothing but see there's nothing on those t for the birds to eat so i can't imagine that happening. yeah they probably wouldn't yeah no so i don't i don't know huh but what I do know, it was originally called key instead of key. tea. Okay. Did you know that? No. Key plant. I did hear her hear of that, kind of like the way taro is kalo. It, it's just a different word for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the tea plant was considered sacred to the Hawaiian god Lono and the goddess of Hula, Laka. Hmm. The tea plant is a diverse plant which the Hawaiians use from its leaves to its roots. In ancient times, the ki or tea served as material for clothing, rain gear, sandals, roof thatching, dinner plates, ceremonial activities, fishing lures, and making an alcoholic brew from the tea roots. That's everything. a lot of uses. Yeah, everything. Yeah, it's still used today in many of those ways. Right. In modern times, the cultural uses include laymaking. If one receives a tea lay, he, sh he or she is adorned with wishes of good luck, good health, and aloha. Mm. Other uses are medicinal for fevers, decongestants, and healing. The leaves are used to wrap gifts. I've seen that before. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Food for food for cooking, liners for dishes, hula skirts, and as a cover for the emu underground oven. Correct. Yeah. Kahunas and clergy use the leaf to sprinkle holy water to bless. Huh. Lays are woven, used to open new sites and buildings, as well as gifted for any occasion from weddings to birthdays and graduations and more. Right on. Is that it for that one? Have you? Yeah. Have you ever had your house blessed with tea leaves? You're supposed to. Yes, I have. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, but we just, we just carry tea leaves if we think evil spirits are coming around. It's supposed yeah. to protect you from them. Yep. Yeah, so that there's many purposes for tea leaves. They're beautiful. And, and they come in so many variety of colors. The really bright red ones. Right, bright red with the green, pink. Yeah. I have a beautiful pink, pink one. Pink. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the most famous ones are obviously the straight up green ones. Yeah. And you'll always see them around um, ceremonial areas or heiaus and things like that. Yep. Yep. Okay, bromeliads. Bromeliads were introduced to Hawaii. They're native to tropical North and South America. No one knows when the first bromeliad reached Hawaii, but there's little doubt it was the pineapple. So I'm going to do <laughs> pineapple next as a separate thing, but mm. the pineapple is a bromeliad. Interesting. There are more than 1,400 species of bromeliads. Here in Hawaii or just? In general. In general. Yeah. 
and the pineapple is the only edible type. Bromeliads are generally spiky plants ranging in size from a few inches to several feet in diameter. They're popular not only for their unusual foliage, but also for their strange and wonderful flowers. Hmm. Used widely in landscaping and interior decoration, bromeliads are found on every island. Do you know what that is, the plant? Bromeliads? So those Uh, are the bromeliads you do know. So they're the two that I have on each side of my Buddha statue, my fountain. Those are bromeliads. So that is part of the pineapple family? Yes, isn't that cool? It's so fascinating, I had no idea. That is very interesting. I guess I can see that though. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So I'm going to move into the pineapple. How the hell did they even though, like, like through through evolution, how did they ever get a pineapple out of that? <laughs> no idea. Like how did, and when did they say, oh, I think that's edible? Like I how long did they no do before they cut idea. it off and decide to eat a pineapple? No idea. Uh, maybe because of the smell. They're like, oh, that smells really juicy good. and sweet. Yeah, <laughs> let's eat that. Yeah, so I'm going to go into the pineapple now. Okay. Um, of course, there's so much I could talk about. I can't talk about everything about yeah. it. Yeah. But the pineapple was first introduced in Spain by Christopher Columbus who had found the fruit in the Caribbean islands. Christopher Columbus did something good. I guess so. (laughs) It was named the piña, the Spanish word for pine cone, because of its resemblance to the pine cone. James Dole started one of the first United States companies to Mm. begin growing pineapples in Hawaii. We all know that. His first pineapple plantation was established in 1900. Dole opened a cannery a year later in 1901. For a while, Hawaii supplied over 80% of the world's output of canned pineapple. Crazy. And fun fact, it can take more than two years for a pineapple plant to produce a single fruit. Yeah, I heard really over. Really? Yeah. Huh, because I remember always being told it's between 18 months and two years. Yeah. But I guess some could be a little later than that. I don't know. That's a, br- that's a widespread. <laughs> it is a widespread. Wow, interesting. Huh. The Hawaiian word for pineapple is hala kahiki because the Hawaiians thought the pineapple resembled the hala fruit. And then right. Ka- and then kahiki means that's the foreign. That's pineapple tree. Kahiki means foreign, so hence foreign halas in oh. Hawaii was the name of it. So cool? a foreign hala tree or foreign yeah. hala fruit. That's what they called it. I knew there was like a huge connection here. I didn't know that much detail about it. Right. That's very, yeah, that's and very cool. There's so much history about Dole and the whole plantation, but we're not going to go into that today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <when laughs> Unless we, you want to add Well, it. when we get into the annexation, we're going to be talking about Dole. There we go. A lot more Perfect. about Dole and how some people see him as a positive part of the situation. Some people see some him people as a negative. Some people do not, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get into that the next couple of weeks. Yep, so right now we're going to go take a break. All right, and then we'll be right back. We'll be right back. Okay. Hey, how's it? And welcome to the Aloha Life podcast. You're listening to us because we have great patrons who have joined our Patreon page and have become members of the podcast by supporting and donating to our show. Without our patrons like you, we wouldn't be on the air. So if you enjoy the podcast and want to hear more shows every week, please do take a moment to join us and become a patron of our podcast at patreon.com forward slash living the Aloha Life. And thank you so much for your support. Okay, we are back. Right. And next up we have right. Heliconia. Heliconia. Heliconia was <laughs> introduced to Hawaii. Some 100 species of the colorful Heliconia family came to Hawaii from the Caribbean and Central and South America. The bright yellow, red, green, and orange bracts overlap and appear to unfold like origami birds. Whee! The most 
obvious helicunia to spot are the lobster claw. They're my mm. favorite too. I love these. They now just hang these, down. So okay, so they beautiful. hang upside down. Yeah. So they're much different than the other heliconias that go straight up. Yeah, that's what I love about them. Yeah, they're so unique. Yeah. They got a little bit of a different color than the other heliconias too. They do. They're just stunning because they're like the yeah. red with the yellow. The and contrast. You know, and I noticed them. they have like a... Like it's like a green to lime to yellow. It's it's different than the regular heliconias yeah. that we see. It's beautiful. I have heliconia in my yard and they're stunning, but I want lobster claw. I'm determined to get them at some point. Right, right. <laughs> Another heliconia is the parrot's beak, which is composed of bright orange flower bracts with black tips. And you know, those are the ones that just stand yes. straight up, right? Right. Yeah. And they're you can see them in spring and summer mostly. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then let's talk about the Hawaiian hibiscus. All right. So many different kinds of those. Yay! So <laughs> there are six <laughs> native species of hibiscus, though, in Hawaii. Do you yeah. know that? I mean, obviously, there's six, tons. So six indigenous. Are you saying that? Like they, they've been here for a long time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then there's tons overall. Right, right. Well, I mean, what, what, is, the state, what is the state flower? Is it the yellow one? I the yellow I hibiscus? I here. Because there's the... Oh, yeah. Let me get into that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... Anyway, okay. Yeah, there's six native species, and all but one are endemic. There we go. All right. So the four to six-inch hibiscus flowers bloom year-round and come in ranges of colors from lily white to lipstick red. Mm. The flowers resemble crepe paper. Um, Let's see. The hibiscus blooms from shrubs. You can find tropical, perennial, and hybrid hibiscus plants. So that's why there's so many when you consider all the variations. I've seen trees, like literally hibiscus yeah. trees. Yeah, so like technically they're, they're shrubs, but they can they're grow shrubs, in trees, right? Can, I, I see. I don't really... I'm, I'm wondering what that is because it's like most of the time when I see them, they're shrubs. And then sometimes I'll see where the, um, the beach paths are. I've seen a lot of it. It's lined with hibiscus trees, trees, very thin, very small, and then the flowers just bloom all over them. And very beautiful. Yeah, so there is trees, there is bushes, so it's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. The native yellow hibiscus became Hawaii's official sea flower in 1988. Really? Before that, the native red hibiscus was recognized as the emblem of Hawaii. So huh. because of that, both are still kind of used today to oh, represent Hawaii. Interesting. But um, the red hibiscus, it represents loyalty and respect. I wonder why the um, hibiscus got the state flower instead of like say the plumeria plumeria I yeah don't know. i would think the plumeria because hibiscuses can grow in other places but plumerias honest to god they can't really that's, i mean yeah, other than other than south point. pacific i'm not sure why that happened yeah because you can grow a hibiscus in california or florida but you're going to have a very hard time growing a plumeria there they're, yeah. they're just so they're so finicky so that's i wonder why that is that's i wonder what the history is behind that i don't They're really cool, though. I mean, I have my red hibiscus plant is one of the native ones. Yeah, they're beautiful. But then I have two hybrid ones that obviously are not native, but they're so cool. One is uh, my shave ice, which is yellow and pink. It's stunning. Those are gorgeous. Yeah, so I really enjoy the hibiscus. Yeah, so like the hybrids of um, plumeria, the hibiscus, you can hybrid them yes. too and get some amazing colors. And there's yeah. this hibiscus lady in Waialua <coughs> on the North Shore. She yeah. has her nursery and she just does all hybrid hibiscus Jeez, plants. It must be so like, meditative and relaxing to <laughs> just sit there and splice and make hybrids. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I bought two of mine from her. She's really amazing. That's cool, cool. 
Okay, so next we're going to do pikake. All right. Introduced to Hawaii. And it's actually the Hawaiian word for jasmine, if you don't know that. Oh. So the Arabian jasmine is known in Hawaii as pikake. This plant produces a fragrant white lay flower, and it's mm. very fragrant. Yes. I can't stand it. Actually. I mean, I can stand it. It's too overpowering it. for you. Yeah, it gives me headaches. It makes me nauseous. I yeah. absolutely love it. If it's and too powerful, it does. Yeah. I do have a pikake plant in my lanai, and it's interesting. The scent comes out at night on the plant, yeah, yeah. and it's so beautiful, but because it doesn't thrive in the rainforest, forest it's not overpowering yeah. so it's actually kind of perfect for okay, me good um though likely native to india and southeast asia mm. its arrival in hawaii so delighted princess kaiulani did mm -hmm. i say that yep. right um, that she named it after her beloved birds, the peacocks. Oh. <laughs> this jasmine is known by many different names throughout the world and is equally prized wherever it grows. It's the national flower of the Philippines. Did you know that? Nope, I did not. And one of the three national flowers of Indonesia. Interesting. Awesome. Though in English, it is a jasmine. It will always be called peacocky here on the islands. Nice. And it's used for making leaves, as you said. Right on. Okay, next we have orchids. Hawaii has only three native orchids. Did you know that? Oh, no, I Out did of not. all the different types we have. Did not know and that. here's inter the interesting part, too. They're the least colorful of all the orchids, the native the, ones. The native ones. Yeah. Interesting. All three species grow in the highest reaches of the island's forests and bogs, but the one called, let's see if I can say this, Platanthera huh. is the rarest of them all. Oh. It's likely easiest to try to spot the native species at Volcanoes National Park. Mm -hmm. In the 1900s, businessmen in Hawaii started importing orchids. They were primarily seen as a status symbol. Today, Hawaii's orchid growing is a multi-million dollar export industry. Interesting. The most widely grown variety and the major source of flowers for lays and garnish is the Vanda orchid. Hmm. The species used in Hawaii's commercial flower industry are generally lavender or white, but they grow in a rainbow of color shapes and sizes. Yeah, when you start going up to the higher elevation of the mountain ranges here, you'll just see them. Like, you have them on the back of your uh, tree back there. They're just yeah, growing off of it. they grow off of trees. So they'll, they'll be growing, like, you know, when we do that hike up on the North Shore to the cabins, yeah, you know, we, oh. we got so many, there's so many... Orchids. You know, or, yeah, orchids growing on the side of trees and stuff up there. That's Maybe so cool. those are the indigenous ones because I don't remember them being super colorful. Yeah, they probably are. That yeah. would make sense up yeah, there yeah. for so sure. It, they're just beautiful seeing them in the wild and seeing them like that. Some people don't even recognize it or even know what they are. And I'm just sitting here going, look at this thing. Look how beautiful this is. Yeah, that's a really unique one that grew hanging down my tree. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's the lavender one, right? Isn't that a lavender? No, so I have the Purplish. lavender one in my tree. Um, but and then the one that, that I got, one yeah. I was hanging down? Yeah, maybe you don't remember. It was like a white, oh, it yellow. Oh, it was yellow. yellow and white. It was yeah. yellow. Yeah. I wonder yeah, that, if that was in the native. wild. That was in the wild. I know. I wonder if it's a native one. I don't know. But the one that I got you is the lavender, lavender. one, too. Yeah. And that one, I think the wind blew it and nah. it somehow... Nah. You think so? ...started growing on that tree right next to where know. I had it. That, that's pretty quick, don't you think? I don't know. I'm it looks like that thing's been on that tree and the root system's been there for a long time. Maybe. I don't know, but that would be... It's the same flower, though. That would be a crazy coincidence. I know. A crazy coincidence, well, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay, next we have Plumeria. Right. Plumeria was introduced to Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, a long time ago by Polynesians. Yeah. Uh, Plumeria is grown as an ornamental and not found in the wild. 
Did you know that it's not found in the wild? It's not found in the wild. I didn't huh. know that. Now that I think about it. It makes sense. It's not. I, I don't rem- I, I have never gone into the jungle and seen it. Right. Um, it's usually in people's homes. It's like usually landscaping. on landscaping. It's, yep. it's, it's, it's been planted in the botanical gardens. I never You might put find it together. on the side of the road. Yeah. But I've yeah, I don't I've never seen it up in the mountains. Yeah. Huh. So the sweet smelling five petal flower found in clusters on trees is the most popular choice of laymakers. Yeah. It's also common to see women wear them in their hair. They come in a variety of colors from yellow to white to crimson to pink and orange. Mm, but they've been splicing for, you know, so many years for this thing. Yeah. But be careful of the sap from the flower. It's poisonous and can stain your clothes. What? Did you know that? I've never seen, I never what? had sap on a flower. I've never seen, oh, yeah. maybe when you do a cutting. Yeah, I'm because sure. Because you know how easy, you just cut it and then that'll start to grow a new right. tree. So maybe it's that milky sap is poisonous. Maybe it can make you dizzy or something. I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. <laughs> okay, so next we have. Oh, wait. Oh, do you, Are you going to, uh, did you do the tiari? So the tiari is the Tahitian version of the plumeria. That's where it all started. No, I don't have that. Yeah, so tiari came from Tahiti. And then the Hawaiian spliced it, did all this crazy stuff to get the plumeria. Oh, that's really cool. So the plumeria, right, was never in the wild. Yeah, never in the wild. Um, that's but, crazy. But, but tiari is here, too. It's a small... It, the tiari looks like a smaller version of the plumeria, but it's only white. It's oh, the only w- white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But so they smell nice, too. Okay. Yeah, but there's not as many as plumeria. Gotcha. So... But, yeah. Do they have that... Um, Where? Th- the, the cocoa creator cocoa head the tiari i you know i don't know if they have the tiari there oh, i can't remember i don't okay. know i don't remember being there it's just a plumeria field but once in a while like you'll come across a tiari tree and you'll see it and i know from the looks of it but i would say out of every 10 plumeria one tiari tree interesting so there's a lot less tiari yeah gotcha. but as far as i know they were brought here first from tahiti and then came the plumeria hmm. okay yeah. cool yeah Next, we have Silver Sword. Oh, that's famous. Yeah, and native. Um, Very uncommon, endangered, and unique plant. And it's only seen on Mauna Kea and Mauna Loa, Big Island, and on Haleakala Crater on Maui. Mm -hmm. Each volcanic mountain has its own unique type of silver sword. That's interesting, too, that they're all different. Like bananas. Depending on where you find them. No matter what valley you're in, it's a different type of flavor. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. That blows my mind. Yeah. It blooms between July and September, and... Uh, the silver sword in bloom is a fountain of red petal daisy-like flowers that turn silver soon after blooming. I've only seen pictures of these, obviously. I've never seen one in real no, life, but you have haven't? you? Yeah, I have. I've seen them in, in person, and literally it looks like, when they say it, they call it a, like a sword, it is. It looks like, like a silver sword. You, you don't, obviously you're not going to rip it from the ground, but if you were to rip it from the ground and put it in your hand, it would look like you're holding like a, <laughs> like a flaming sword. But it's not flaming. But I mean, it looks like a sword. Looks like He-Man's sword. That's so cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay, next we have the elephant ear. We love these. Oh, yeah. Introduced to Hawaii, this plant grows large, up to three feet long leaves on a waist-high stem. Hence its name, elephant ear. Mm -hmm. It thrives in moist, wind-protected gulches. Elephant ear is is native of India and Sri Lanka. I didn't know that. I didn't know either. Polynesian navigators brought this plant with them wherever they traveled. I wonder why. Its stem can be baked and eaten oh, when no right. other foods are available. That's right. There are a few types of elephant ears. We have Alocasia's 
colocasias and one called xanthosoma. Huh. <laughs> I'll tell you, if you go to the Ho'omalahia Botanical Gardens, they have all these. And there's the, the leaf yes. is as large as you. They're huge. Now, if you go to the back and you go near the river, you go, you go near the lake, there's these elephant ears. It's the, the tr it's like a big fat stalk and the thing's way taller than you. And I've never seen things like this before. Like, I don't think you have either. We Probably gotta go not. and we gotta go and explore that area because okay. these things are enormous. Wow. Yeah, much bigger than the regular elephant ears that are in there, which cover half your body. Yeah. Yeah, it's intense. They're normally yeah, huge. So, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay, cool. We have to go. The Caucasians display their leaves with tip of the heart pointing down. So that's a difference. Whereas mm. alocasias hold the tip of their leaves out or upward. So that's huh. how you make that distinction. And here's a fun fact that a lot of people don't know. Taro is a type of elephant ear. Yes. There are many types grown today in Hawaii, including one called Blue Hawaii. Huh. Did you know that? No, I did not. <laughs> it's beautiful. That's interesting. Yep. So then um, I'm going to actually go into taro as its own thing, too. Okay. Taro, it is an elephant ear. It's introduced to Hawaii. It's called Kalo in Hawaiian. And it was once a staple of the Hawaiian diet. Taro originated in southern India before migrating east to China and then south to New Zealand. Ah, uh, so yeah, so it came up the whole South Pacific from New Zealand. Yeah, according, and I'm going to go over this briefly because we talked about it before yeah. in the mythology, but according to Hawaiian mythology, Waikea, the Sky Father, and the beautiful goddess Ho'ohoku Kalani, the heavenly one who made the stars, wished to have a child. Their first attempt, however, resulted in a stillborn birth. The body of the stillborn child was buried near their home. From this buried child grew a taro plant. Yes. The plant was named Haloa Naka. Mm. The couple's second attempt at a child result resulted in a human boy, which the gods named Haloa. From Haloa, the Hawaiian race of people descended. According to this legend, then, Hawaiians are literally related to the taro, which explains the importance of taro in the Hawaiian culture. Yes. That's I love why that they, story. And, you know, Hawaiians want to keep with those traditions of the Kanaka Maoli and continue to cultivate, you know, the taro, the kalo, mm -hmm. and uh, continue to have poi. Yeah, totally. Yeah. If you have poi, listen, everybody has an opinion on poi. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a, there's a huge difference. It's kind of like if you get frozen sushi, you get fresh sushi, like right from the boat, or if you get fresh poi, or you're not fresh poi. You gotta go to the poi factory. You got you gotta get fresh poi. If you don't get fresh <laughs> poi, you're never gonna like poi. Yeah, it's a little like when you go to the luau's, it's pasty and bland. Yeah, it's pasty and bland, and you know, like just imagine having mashed potatoes with no butter, yeah. no salt, <laughs> no pepper, and a little it's just stickier. But it just tastes like nothing. Like yeah. if you have a potato, a mashed potato with nothing in it or nothing on it. That's poi. Now, they make poi in many different ways. You can get poi with mango. You can get poi with banana. You can get poi mixed in with all these different things. But just regular poi, you never eat poi by itself. You always got to eat poi with a piece of fish, with a fruit, yes. with a vegetable. Yeah, yeah. Because by itself, you you're never going to like it. Right. You're never going to like it. It's like, like, are you going to have white rice by itself and eat that all your and life? And say, oh, it's delicious? No, yeah, no. no. Um, so I actually want to go to the poi factory because apparently they have um, a taro ice cream or something like oh. that. I want to try that. Okay, cool. Okay, right so taro can be used in a variety of ways. Here in Hawaii, obviously the poi is the, main the most common, main way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess you kind of went over, okay. The rest was about the texture and everything and the taste. Yeah. You kind of went over all but that. But you can so. have, I mean, they make amazing taro chips. 
uh, which are yep. amazing. They are uh, amazing. You know, and most likely your first experience coming to Hawaii with taro is going to be, you're probably going to have the uh, the purple buns at the mm-hmm. restaurants. Those are good. Yeah, those are good. I mean, you know, they, they, they have taro in a lot of different things now. Like she was saying, they have taro ice cream, they have taro chips, they have taro rolls. They have all this stuff that you'll probably experience in some Desserts. of the restaurants. Desserts, yeah. And it's just been, um, they, they make the taro uh, spaghetti. Um, oh yes, Adele Adela's yeah, country so, cafe. Yeah, so you can get taro spaghetti yeah. over you know vegetables and, and and all these different things. So they make it, they, they make so many different things with it now. You don't have to just have the Plain traditional poi. Poi. You so can, yeah. This is really cool too. Do you know that taro is used to make local veggie burgers? Yeah, I w- that's absolutely. So cool. And that's a, what they're going to be doing with breadfruit. Yeah. They're going to be making um, vegetarian and vegan burgers with um, breadfruit, and that's one of the things that we want to grow on our Big property. Island. Yeah, because we believe that that's going to be more accessible on the land for us to grow, but also that people are going to want it. Yeah. And and Hawaii is the only state in all 50 that can grow it. Right. So, so if we have a field of breadfruit, peop, you know, it maybe, will do well. maybe Impossible Burger will be calling us. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows? You never know, right? So we'll see. Awesome. All right. So next we have Hapu'u Fern. Ah, don't okay, oh, yeah. wait. I know. Oh, I know this one. This is the one that's up in the indigenous, way up in the indigenous forest. So this is indigenous, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The hapu'u, or Hawaiian tree fern, is very common on the Hawaiian islands and can grow up to heights of 40 feet. A Ooh. fern. Yeah, is that crazy? This is the fern that you guys see in Jurassic Park. Yes. The, 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 it still is here. It's crazy. It's amazing. This fern is, here we go. I'm going to repeat you. Yeah. This fern is what gives many places on Hawaii such a distinct Jurassic Park feel. <laughs> There you go. The ferns can most easily be spotted at the windward or east side of yeah. all Hawaiian islands at elevations between 1,000 to 6,000 feet. Right. And they can be used for food or medicine. Yes. There used to be hapu'u all over the Hawaiian islands, but due to population pressure and their transplantation for landscaping purposes, they're becoming more difficult to find. Yeah. One of the best places to see them and also to get that whole Jurassic Park vibe is in the rainforest of Volcano Village or in the Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. Yes. Now, in the back of uh, Waimanalo, they have a whole entire um, nursery of these. Do you remember the name of that nursery where we walked into that room where they had all the ferns? Yeah. Was that Sharon's nursery? It's Sharon. So yeah. if you guys want to see them, they have a whole entire huge area of just these ferns. But you have to walk all the way to the yeah. back. Like you think you're like past the nursery and they're kind of like in a separate room. And like it's you Sharon's. said. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's just like, it's not really visible unless you go exploring. Yes. Now it has to be in this particular area by itself because what they're doing inside this area is they're, they're creating their, the, uh, the ferns ecosystem, which is mostly at a higher elevation. Uh, you're at a low elevation when you go to this nursery. So they need to have special treatment in there. The problem with these is like more than likely the average Joe is not going to be buying these and putting them in their house. They're super expensive. They're super huge. And like if you go around, you go to a multi-million dollar home, these will be in those homes. Right. Because they're just, everybody wants one. They're insane. Not everybody can afford them. Oh, they're so cool though. Yeah, they were, they're really kind of unaffordable. I would love to have one, but it would, <laughs> I mean, how long would it take to grow one of those? I, mean, I, don't, I don't even know, know but... 
they're frigging enormous. Like you said, 40, they can grow up to 40 feet. Yeah. I mean, you better have like 20, 20, 30 foot (laughs) ceilings for that. Yeah, exactly. So. Okay. All right. Let's get into Monstera. Okay. Monstera is introduced to Hawaii. It's a flowering plant native to tropical rainforests in Mexico and Central America. It has been introduced to many tropical areas, including Hawaii, and has become mildly invasive. But oh, do I love them. I do love them. The fruit of Monstera grows up to 12 inches long and 2 inches in diameter and looks like an ear of corn covered with hexagonal shaped green scales. Did you know it has a fruit? No. I've never seen it, ever. Never. Never seen it. As the fruit ripens, these scales fall off, releasing a strong, sweet scent reminiscent of pineapple or banana. The fruit is considered edible and safe for humans, but make sure you eat it ripe because unripe monstera fruit contains needle-like crystalline structures that can irritate your mouth or throat. Jesus. And apparently it has a fruity taste similar to jackfruit and pineapple. Huh. Never knew this at all. I never knew either. And I have a couple monstera plants. I love them. And I have many growing wild out in the jungle, but I've never seen them fruit ever. Yeah. They're they're beautiful. And you guys can get them on the mainland at certain places too so Absolutely. and they grow crazy yeah. so they're beautiful so stunning yeah here in hawaii monstera is very common and grows best in warm moist humid partly shady gardens where it likes to climb trees the leaves can be used in tropical flower arrangements all right that's all i got is that it that's all i got all right all, right. <laughs> all right so we're gonna take our middle break we're just getting going here the second half is gonna be shorter animals are just shorter she she goes overboard with this stuff <laughs> It was just a lot. <laughs> There's so many. All right, so we're going to go ahead to the middle break. We're going to go listen to the green recipe. All right. All right. Juice from the mango tree takes me back inside the street to a time ever so sweet. You pour that shit on. Cause you cast on me a spell And I'm lost in you like no one else Oh, it's the way that you go down Oh yes, I'm feeling you I wish I was the only one There's no way we can slow down I'll do anything for you Why can't we take this only Oh 
just so let's keep going Don't you plan on slowing down I need you with me, need you energy for my side Cause your love, I need the recipe in my life Yeah, I need you to keep me going My life is better with you Oh, it's the way that you go down Oh, yes, I'm feeling you I wish I was the only one There's no way we can slow down I'll do anything for you Why can't we take this only get into fauna i'm so excited the lacen albatross indigenous the lacen albatross is a large seabird that ranges across the north pacific the northwestern hawaiian islands are home to 99.7 percent of the population wow yeah and are considered an indigenous species of hawaii the origin of the species shows to come from the islands of Midway and Laysan. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Which they are named after. I absolutely love them. They're, They're majestic. Beautiful. Now you saw, um, I've seen them up close. Yeah. You've recently, you took some videos of them. Yeah. So that's gosh, pretty cool. Yeah, Kiana Point. Yeah. The Laysans number around 2.5 million and are highly protected in Hawaii and are not yet a threatened species good so yeah so if you go out to one of the main places on this island that you can see them is a, uh, going out to Kayana point mm -hmm. and they're laying their eggs and they're huge birds the wingspans are like eight feet or something like that they're seriously uh, majestic i just that's the only word i got yeah from. yeah if you watch the aristocrats uh the disney aristocrats you know you get the bumbling albatross <laughs> that carries the mice on his back you know and he's just he's coming in for a landing albatrosses do not land well <laughs> they usually land on their faces Aww. they're so they're so they're big <laughs> they're so big and so clumsy that it's funny they're so because the thing is they're so graceful in the air right. they just float because the wings and windspans are so big then when they come from a landing they go <laughs> and that's it for them so the it's, babies, it's funny the babies are so adorable they're fuzzballs yeah. and they oh look nothing gosh. like they look nothing like the adults i know 
Yeah, yeah. So pretty cool. So that's about the albatrosses. Hawaiian spinner dolphins, once again, indigenous. The spinner dolphin is a small dolphin found in offshore tropical waters around the world in the Hawaiian Islands. The spinners are famous for their acrobatic displays in which they rotate around their axis as they leap through the air. The Hawaiian spinner dolphins are native to the Hawaiian waters. The spinners in Hawaii spend the daytime resting in shallow bays near deep water. At dusk, they travel offshore to feed. They travel along the shore during for, uh, foraging trips, and they occupy the same bay as well. Spinner dolphins live in an open and loose social organization. The spinners live in family groups, but also have associations with others beyond their own groups. Issue with spinner dolphins and tourism in Hawaii. Mm. Spinner dolphins receive multiple daily visits in their near shore resting grounds with boats taking people out daily to snorkel and interact with the local dolphin population. Such activities are increasingly coming under criticism on the grounds of possibly harming to the dolphins and efforts are being made both to educate the public in order to minimize human impact on the dolphins and to bring in regulations to govern and minimize these activities. This has been a bit kind of a big problem here in Hawaii. Yeah, there should be regulations. So as far as I know, since all this was written, there have been some regulations put into effect. So there's only several companies now that can actually visit the dolphins. And see, the thing is, is the technically the best time to visit them is when they're resting, and that's kind of not the good time to, to do it. Disturbing them, yeah. You know, so it's like, how do you how do you find a place where the dolphins are so visitors can actually see them, swim with them when they're resting? They kind of want to be left alone. So this has been a big problem. Yeah. So I don't know what you say. You know, like like me, I would say if you want to see dolphins, see them in the wild. Don't pay someone to see dolphins in captivity. Exactly. I agree with that. So which one do you do? Which one's better? So the complaining... The captivity is just awful. No, it's absolutely awful. Yeah. That shouldn't be happening at all in Hawaii. And uh, it is still. And although we only have several locations where this happens, you know, I much prefer people to go out and see them in the wild. The thing is, is there's not always a chance that you're going to see them in the wild unless you disturb them when they're right we're saying don't do that either (laughs) so so. i know but i mean how can you they're they're part of the wild like how can you guarantee anybody that you're going to see anything wild you can't no you can't but you can know the timing periods of when they're resting and that's the time where they're just chilling at the bottom kind of like a beehive where you can like if you want to get rid of a beehive you move it in the night you know Mm. what i mean so that's kind of this is the time to go visit the dolphins when you know they're resting because they're, they, they everybody knows, there. yeah, they're going to yeah. be there. So I think the best thing is if you're going to do that, just float the water and look at them in the bottom. Don't try swimming down there to them. Yeah, don't you know, disturb yeah, them. Don't disturb them. Exactly. Let them. Let them come to you, if anything, just like the Hawaiian green sea turtles. And thing. they will come to you sometimes. Yeah, they will. They're super cute. I just think that's no matter what, if you're going to have a choice of one or the other, yeah, choose to go to the wild. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. And let them come to you if they choose to do so. If not, leave them alone. Exactly. The Hawaiian hawk, indigenous. The Hawaiian hawk, or EO, is a raptor predator endemic to Hawaii, currently established on the Big Island. The EO is one of two birds of prey that is native to Hawaii. The other is the pohio, the Hawaiian owl. Fossil evidence indicates that the Hawaiian hawk inhabited all the islands in Hawaii at one time, but today is only known to breed on the Big Island now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Okay, so they're mostly found in the Ohia Lehua trees. Oh. Right? The species was protected as endangered, but was 
delisted only recently. I don't know why that is, because it's still endangered as far as I know. The Hawaiian hawk was a royal symbol in Hawaiian legend, and it is sometimes called Iolani, or Exalted Hawk, which Iolani Palace was named after. Interesting. I never knew this. I didn't know that either. Isn't that cool? Yeah. It's so awesome. Now, the Hawaiian duck. The Hawaiian duck is indigenous. The Hawaiian duck, or Koloa, is a species of bird that is endemic to the islands of Hawaii. The Koloa is closely allied with the mallard. It differs in that is, I don't know what this says, monochromatic and non-migratory. <laughs> okay, well, I get that. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't like, go anywhere further than Hawaii. Uh, all major authorities consider the Kaloa to be a distinct species within the mallard complex. Recent a- analysis indicates that this is a distinct species that arose through ancient hibernization between the mallard and the lysen duck from mm. the same island named after the albatrosses. The Kaloa is an endangered Hawaiian subspecies being bred out by the well-known mallard duck so from the mainland. So, Which duck do I have in my river, do you think? Do you know? See, the thing is, is I don't, I can't really tell now. I don't, I don't think anybody can really tell. So before, unfortunately, they used to get rid of the mallard duck, the mainland mallard duck. But now it's been breeding with the Kaloa duck. Right. It's hard to tell. It's very hard to tell right now. So we just don't know the difference. So now we can't kill any duck. And if it comes down to it, eventually we're not going to be able to tell if the Kaloa is even existing anymore. Wow. Yeah. All I know is one day this giant bird came flying up toward my house and I was like, what is that? And then it was a duck when it landed. A like, duck. What? Yeah. Well, you, you, got, you got ducks in the uh, the uh, riverbed right there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but yeah, it yeah. it flew up to the house one time. Well, I'm just trying to figure out, you know. I didn't know they flew like that. I'm yeah, kind of surprised. It, so this is also interesting because usually it is the indigenous uh, duck that is doing that. Oh, so maybe I have the indigenous. You, you may have. I just wish we could tell the difference because, see, they're used to of, uh, sitting around in the riverbeds and going up and down rivers, and the mallard one's going to the more the opened lakes and ponds and things like that. So oh. you might. And also that, that, that duck is going up into the higher elevations. Yeah. So I'm wondering. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know how to tell, honestly. Yeah, I don't either. So hopefully, you know... The you Kaloa have, um, sticks around. You have an area of ducks here in Waikai, right? That yeah, we do. It? You know, but that's in the marina, and more than likely, those are mallards. Okay. So, I just can't tell. Yeah. I just can't tell. Okay, the rock wallaby. Mm. The rock wallaby is invasive, although wallabies are native to Australia. They have been spotted in the Hawaiian Islands for some time now. In 2009, local wildlife experts counted a population of over 40 wallabies on Oahu. They were said to have formed colonies from Nu'uanu to Halava, uh, Halava Valley as well as Kali'i Valley. Today, the numbers have increased to hundreds in those ro- locations. Wow. Yeah, they're right by me. Yeah, yeah. The Hawaiian version of the rock wallaby are all descendants of a single pair of Australian wallabies that fled the Honolulu Zoo in 1916. That's crazy. What is strange is that the Hawaiian wallabies are very different in color and size from the Australian couple that escaped in 1916 and look nothing like the wallabies of today. 
So did they adapt to their environment yes, here? Yes, absolutely. Isn't that amazing? It's super amazing. So they look and act completely differently because they're in a whole new environment where they've had about 100 years to adapt. Wow. So, yeah, so I've seen the wallabies up uh, near the ice ponds. That's so cool that you've seen them. Yeah, up in uh, Kali'i Valley. So, yes, and, and, and people have seen them just kind of hopping across the road. <laughs> no one, None have ever been hit. They usually stay hidden. They come out at night and they kind of hang out in the deep valleys. So pretty cool Yeah. if you guys ever see one. Uh, and we believe a little while ago, we talked about it in the podcast, that someone had gotten scared because they, a woman hiking yes. alone had seen a wallaby and, think so. and called 911 and was afraid. She didn't know what it was. Yeah. What was it, Bigfoot? Come on. I don't I mean, know. The thing, is only, the thing is only like three feet tall. So, I mean, come on, give me a break. I don't know. The Pacific Golden Plover, migratory to Hawaii. The Pacific Golden Plover is a medium-sized plover. The name is Latin, relating to rain. It was believed that golden plovers flocked when rain was imminent. In September, the golden plover wings its way toward the Hawaiian Islands, where it will spend the winter. Its wingspan a full two feet. The plover fueled up by migration by plucking summer berries from its Alaskan tundra breeding grounds, storing fat for its 2,500-mile flight. So I guess it just eats plenty, and then it goes from Alaska to Hawaii. Kind of very similar to the humpback whales. Yeah, exactly. Wow, yeah. that's so interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, okay. We're going to take a break. Okay. And we'll be right back. Awesome. All right. Hawaii is one of the most beautiful places on Earth, and 808 Cleanup intends on keeping it that way. The 501c3 environmental nonprofit's main mission is restoring Hawaii's natural beauty for its local community and visitors. 808 Cleanup empowers volunteers to conduct decentralized cleanups through the Adopt-A-Site campaign, responding to littering and vandalism of Hawaii's natural spaces, tagging and graffiti removal, saving Hawaii's indigenous ecosystem, and building sustainable solutions with local communities and nonprofit partners. If you love Hawaii and wish for its beauty to remain for generations to come, consider donating to a great cause and supporting 808 Cleanup's mission to keep Hawaii clean from Mauka to Makai at 808cleanups.org. All right, we're back. The Hawaiian manta ray. Ooh. Indigenous. Okay, the Ha'alua is the name of the Hawaiian manta ray. They are among the largest fish in the ocean. They can grow to have windspans of up to 30 feet. Whoa. And weigh up to 3,000 pounds. Up to 30 feet and 3,000 pounds? I didn't know that. Yeah. Despite their size, they are peaceful and graceful creatures soaring through the water like massive birds in flight. The Polynesian tribal manta ray tattoo is a very symbolic image to islanders. The indigenous people of Polynesia through the manta ray was a symbol of wisdom, grace, and strength. They saw the manta ray as a spirit guardian. To have the manta ray tattoo was a way to protect your spirit and help you conjure these traits. The manta ray is a vulnerable species, but it is not threatened. Wow. These things are huge. You go to the Big Island, you can go scuba diving or snorkeling with them. I want to do that so bad one day. I mean, it is on my list. 30 feet windspan. So I mean, that's what they crazy. say. Crazy. I know. It's crazy. And so, um, as far as I know, manta, way, manta ray, stingrays, all that, they're part of the shark family. Really? Yeah, they're all part what? of the shark family. Yep. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's so interesting. Peaceful. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Chameleon. Oh, I love these. Invasive. I know, but I love them. I know, I love them too. I used to have one. <laughs> uh, introduced from Kenya and Tanzania to Hawaii in 1972, this popular pet store lizard was intentionally released in Kaneohe 
and now has established free-ranging populations on the island of Hawaii, Maui, and Oahu. They have not become established on Kauai yet. They are bright emerald green fading to a yellowish color on their undersides. Males are generally 12 inches long with a long tail accounting for half of their length and have three horns protruding from their forehead like a triceratops dinosaur. Females are generally shorter and never grow horns. Jackson's chameleons are solitary uh, creatures which spend most of their lives in trees. Like other chameleons, they move with a distinctive slow rocking motion. It's ridiculous. It's so funny when you see it. looks like they're drunk when they move. They're so cool. I know. It looks like, you know, like a giant dinosaur that's it miniature. Does. Yeah. Like, it's really but cool. But they go like this. They go. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. Because of their invasive nature, however, they eat slower indigenous species like the Hawaiian and Oahu tree snail. Oh, no. Which are highly endangered. It is illegal to transport or bring Jackson chameleons to Hawaii. Or between the islands now. So, do you know why they were initially released here in Kaneohe? They were in a pet store, and someone in the pet store might have got pissed off at the owner and just took them all out and released them into the wild. I don't know what the story was. That's crazy. But it was done intentionally. They released them into the wild intentionally. And it should have never happened. Not for a good reason. Not for a good reason. Oh, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kind of the way the parrots, uh, the macaws and the cockatoos were released by Paradise Park. Yeah, yeah. uh, Up in Manoa Valley. They were intentionally released because the park was going under and they were going to close it. And the caretaker of the birds felt that it wasn't right to go send them off somewhere else. And he thought that it was a perfect place to let them out. And that's what happened. He just let them out, yeah. Well, come to find out, they're relatively, they've relatively stayed in Manoa Valley. I just adore them, yeah. but I know that there's problems with them, too. Yeah, but they've been relatively good at staying in the area. However, the yeah. red, I believe it's, oh, man, it's the redneck parakeet from Brazil or the Amazon parrot. I can't remember the exact name of it. They're the ones that are getting way out of control now. Wait, the the green one? Or the red yes, the green the one green that you one. have in your yard. Yeah. yeah, so that's the one that's getting out of control. They're actually spreading across the entire island now, whereas the cockatoos and macaws are only staying pretty much in Manoa Valley. Yeah, I forget yeah. what they're called too. Rose ringed something. The rose ringed parakeet. Yeah. Yeah. They're beautiful though. It's such they're a shame. They're beautiful. Such I know it is a shame. The Hawaiian tree snail. Now we're going to talk about that. Oh, okay. Indigenous. The Hawaiian tree snail, who was an endling, died on New Year's Day, 2019, making his species the first to be declared officially extinct. <gasps> oh. In 2019. However, the Oahu tree snail still lives on. While Oahu used to have nearly 42 different snails, there remain only eight today. Wow. Many of these snails remain in captivity, however, at the University of Hawaii, where breeding efforts are underway to increase populations to be reintroduced into the wild across Hawaii. Here we go. The Jackson chameleon, as well as the rosy wolf snail, better known as the cannibal snail, have decimated the local population of indigenous Hawaiian tree snails. So I have a ton of snails all the time outside. Those are, those... are the rosy wolf snail. Okay. They're the ones that kill the indigenous snails. So that's what I was wondering, because I was going to say they just look like regular... So don't feel so bad when you crush one under your foot. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the other night when I was driving home, I totally, like, I heard something <laughs> under my tire when I was parking, and it was it was a snail. Oh, Crushed it. So the rosy wolf snail, and I believe this is the African... Uh, tree snail, the African ground snail, those two are not good. 
Um, they're highly invasive. They eat, wipe out everything. They also will give you lungworms. Right. And that's the problem in Big yes. Island, especially. So these snails crawl over rat shit. Rat and lungworm then, yes, disease. Yes. And then they take it up. They put it onto the plants. So that's why I'm always... they eat your lettuce. Yes. You're growing. Yeah. And then you eat the lettuce and you get the you worms. You get it. And people die from it. Yes. So this is why if... This is why it's probably best to have a garden where things are elevated. A raised bed. Yes. Or you have a greenhouse. Yeah, you don't just have a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you have a natural garden, if you see any slimy, bright things on your leaves, the oh, snail's been on it. Do not eat that. Do not eat that. And that he, they could go right through your whole garden in one night because they, they pick up speed once Ugh, it gets dark. Horrible. So that's why we kind of... We're going to have to be careful about that. We're yeah. not, we're not, we want everything. We want everything that we grow to be elevated or aquaponics or in a greenhouse where those can't get in. Absolutely. Yeah, because that's just it's crazy. It's very scary. Well, it's crazy because the indigenous tree snails don't cause those problems. So those invasive ones. The invasive ones are Ugh. causing all the problems, yeah. And here's another great invasive, wild boar. Oh, my favorite. <laughs> the feral hogs running around Hawaii today are descendants of the original. Now, this is something you guys probably don't know of. The original Polynesian and English pigs brought with them to the islands between 400 and 800 years ago. Now, there's a distinct difference, however, between the English and the Polynesian pig. The Polynesian pig was a very, very small pygmy black pig that would not grow to the crazy sizes of the English pigs. Oh. Then they merged together to create... Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Unlike previously believed, the findings from DNA anal analysis and other methods show a direct link to Hawaii's cultural history by the more dominant species of pig from Polynesia. So overall, although the English pig is the much larger pig, when they dissect the pigs today, there's much more origination from the Polynesian pigs that were brought here, the pygmy black pigs. Yeah. That's why when you see the pigs, there's much more darker black pigs than the different colored ones and the lighter colored ones. Interesting. Yeah, they are Hawaii's ultimate invasive species right after humans to the Hawaiian Islands. They are the most environmentally <laughs> and, in, yeah, destructive and dangerous animal in Hawaii. Lanai is the only island free of wild boar. Did you know that? Oh, I didn't know that. The wild boar have affected the uh, many of the dry forests through their destructive and consistent grazing of the forest floor. They churn up the forest floor in order to find fleshly plant roots and earthworms. This process has endangered many of the native plant species and simultaneously rid the dry forest of many, much of its nutrients. The pig's damage caused major soil erosion and compaction, which is a hindrance to new plant growth and extremely widespread across the Hawaiian Islands. They also eat invasive plants and later release the seeds of their invasive plants in their waste at other locations oh, wow. of the islands, which allows the spread of invasive plants to grow where they shouldn't be, choking out the indigenous rainforest, destroying our water aquifers at higher elevations that are essential for the health and water preservation of the Hawaiian ecosystem. Hunting the boar all year is the only way to ensure the sustainability of the Hawaii ecosystem. Eradication has always been an option, but that would remove the meat supply from the islands in the Hawaiian culture. So that'll be John's job on Big Island. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not going to partake in any of that no. meat. No. Okay, um, exactly. Hey, so I'm just so curious. How did they get over to the different islands, these wild boar, like Molokai, for example? I wonder how they ended up on there. They were brought there somehow. I know, but... Weird. I have no idea how it happened. Wow. It's crazy. But yeah. yeah, so a lot of people talk about the Hawaiian boar or just the, you know, the wild boar in general. And they, oh, the 
those are so cute when they're babies, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Yeah, but you really have to understand the full capacity of how damaging and destructive yeah. they are to the Hawaiian Islands. They, they're just an animal that do not belong here. There's a, I don't know what their original purpose was except for to turn the... See, if you have a pig on a farm, it's good because after you've picked all, after you've picked all your uh, crops in your garden, you bring the pig in. They'll turn up all the soil, get all the fresh soil from the ground up, and bring it to the top. That's the, like the pig's job. Yeah, we watched a YouTube video on all of that. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, that's, yeah. Like, that's like the pig's job, and that's a good job for them to have. But then once you let them loose, they go crazy and destroy everything. Yeah. So you got to watch what they do, and, and right now we have no control of what's going on with the boars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What do we got next? The Hawaiian gecko. Oh, I love them. Invasive. I know, but I love them. <laughs> Today, there are eight gecko species in Hawaii, many which are found or found their way to the islands on cargo ships in the early 1800s. Others have been pets released into the wild, like the famous and beautiful Gold Dust Day Gecko, which is which one? The Geico Gecko. Oh, the Geico the one. The most colorful <laughs> and most beautiful one, which it we all love. beautiful. That we just found the other day kind of hanging out, right? Oh, uh, the vibrant, yeah, vibrant green one. He wasn't doing too good, was he? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is strange is that the Ho- in the Hawaiian culture, there is the mo'o, which is the lizard god. However, these geckos never existed back then. And so it is believed that the mo'o was some form of mystical dragon lizard created to strike fear in the Hawaiian culture. Yet having a gecko today in your home is good luck. Right? That's funny. Po- yeah, possibly because if you have a gecko in your house, it's more than likely you won't have bugs. So it's just interesting. So the mo'o supposedly is not related to the small lizard gecko? I don't know. See, that's so confusing a little bit. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, the Hawaiian geckos. We have the morning gecko, the stump-toed gecko, the fox gecko, the common house gecko, which everybody has, the tokay gecko, the orange-spotted day gecko, the giant day gecko, and the gold dust day gecko. I have a lot of the orange-spotted ones, too. Oh, that's exhausting. That's a lot of geckos. Yeah, so that's it. Yeah. So the first five are nocturnal. The other three, as their name suggests, are active during the day. That makes so much sense. I always wondered about that because I'll see them during the day. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Although most of us love geckos, they have wiped out hundreds of indigenous bug species only found in Hawaii. The mm. final number of extinct bugs because of the gecko is fully unknown. That's terrible. So we don't know how many of those indigenous bugs were really good to Hawaii. So, okay. you know, that's what, this is what yeah, you bring things here. This is yeah, what, happens. What, happens. what happens. What happens. It changes. Yeah. The Hawaiian yellow-faced bee. Mm. Indigenous. Hawaii's coastal bee, endemic to the islands of Molokai, Lanai, and Maui, but recently found on Oahu along the Kaivi coast and protected by the DLNR and... 808 cleanups. Ah. It is distinguished by the reddish abdomen with white hair bands and the mostly yellow face of the male. The Hawaiian yellow face bee is becoming extremely rare, so the protection of the species is essential. The yellow face bee is known for its nesting in white dead coral and porous lava rock along the shorelines. One of the major issues is with bomb fires along the shorelines. Humans unknowingly take these rocks and coral to build a place for the fires, not knowing this extremely rare bee is sleeping in them. Oh, no. And are burned alive in the fire. <gasps> That's horrible. So don't 
go to a beach and do what we just said. Yeah, that's terrible. I know, and they're already highly, highly, you know, endangered. Hey, look, I see one, and weirdly, it says "Eat Away Cleanups" on its wing. <laughs> you have a sticker of <laughs> one right here. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> the Hawaiian yellow-faced bee is critically endangered around the Hawaiian Islands, so we need to be very careful not to go taking coral and lava rock, building a bomb fire, and then putting wood inside it. You yeah. will be killing these highly endangered bees. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Bees. I yeah, know. don't do that. Don't do it. Portuguese man of war. Mm. The influx of men of war to Hawaii shorelines happen after the full moon. Thousands can come to shore days after a full moon across the south and east-facing shores with the addition of added trade winds as well. They can, huh? Not a fan. No. They can often be found on the shorelines and washed up on famous swimming areas like Kailua Beach and Waimanalo Bay. The sting of the Portuguese man-of-war is excruciatingly painful and leaves nasty red welts on one's body, but is almost never fatal unless a highly allergic reaction takes place. The gas-filled sac that supports the jellyfishes uh, possesses a ridge that operates like a sail on a boat, allowing them to float on the surface of the ocean and move with the waves and wind. As the University of Hawaii reports, early explorers thought its shape resembled the helmets worn by Portuguese soldiers thus giving them their name, <laughs> Portuguese Man of War. That's interesting. Meanwhile, their poisonous tentacles, which deliver a powerful, very powerful sting, can reach, I. this is crazy, I never knew this in a million years, and I've never seen one like this. The longest length of a Portuguese Man of War's sting, uh, stingers, 165 feet long. Oh my God. Really? So, yes. So it's indigenous to Hawaiian waters, but imagine a dead... Man of war washing up or just floating right at the where the waves break at like three feet in the water. You got a you got a Portuguese man of war that could have tentacles one hundred and sixty feet five feet That's long. That's insane. So you wouldn't even see the man of war. Right. You would just feel the pain. Yeah. Because the legs would be like oh, can you, I, I never I, I was thinking, oh you know, maybe ten feet. Yeah. Fifteen feet. No idea. Yeah. So it's crazy. So what they do is when they float on the water, the Portuguese man of war, their legs are hanging deep under the water. Yeah. And a fish goes by. And gets tangled in him, and then slowly the man of war brings his tentacles in all the way up to his head, and it's floating on the top, and then slowly digests the fish. That's so interesting. <laughs> it's oh, like crazy. Gosh. But this is why when you float around the water, you could easily get stung by these because even after they're dead, yeah, the sting continues. So that's what I, I've never been stung by one. Thank goodness, but I had I think a dead one brush up against yeah. me, like a tentacle. Yeah, and. It was. Still it did. I started to turn red. Do you remember? Red. Yeah, yeah turn red. So, so you did. Painful. You did get stung. You know, you did get stung by it. I, I that's a sting. Is that a sting? Yeah, that's oh, a sting. Okay, I thought it was different. It feels like a hot fire on your leg for yeah. a few minutes. Yeah. So I've gotten it on my back and I've gotten it on my leg. It leaves like a like as if you had a whip like as if you had a whip and you whiplash somebody. Yeah, yeah. That's what's left over. You have like a huge like straight line or many straight lines on your back as if someone like. Well, if you know, it looks like you were having a fun night the, the night before. Oh, put it that way. But anyways, yeah, it's it's painful. It's, it's a painful thing. Terrible. Yeah. Okay, the trigger fish, the Hawaiian state fish, the humu humu nuku nuku apua'a. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> You're like a pro now. Yeah, yeah. Hawaii state fish, the wedge tail trigger fish, known as what I just said. Uh, is a, I'm not saying it again because I said it's so perfect. Is a common sight on Hawaii's reefs. Humu humu means to stitch pieces together and nuku nuku apawa'a means the nose of a pig. What? I don't know why that combination That's means anything weird. to me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Reef triggers are fairly aggressive and won't tolerate individuals in their general vicinity. 
other fish, sea life, even humans. Thus, the fish is often solitary. This is particularly true in captivity. Triggers have the ability to rapidly alter their coloration. They can fade into a relatively drab appearance when sleeping or demonstrating submission, while their coloration is often the most vivid when the fish, is, when the fish are healthy and unthreatened by their surroundings. They have also been known to bite and attack swimmers in their areas, often around the ankles, sometimes leaving small bite marks. The triggerfish blows jets of water from its mouth, which help the fish find invertebrates that may be buried under the reef or sand debris. <laughs> so they just, yeah, isn't that weird? They, they so weird. take in the water and spit it out. Huh. Triggerfish can often be seen spitting sand from their mouths in order to s siphon through the material and search for food indigenous to the Hawaiian waters. Very interesting. That's crazy. I've never been bitten one by one. Mm. You know, when you go snorkeling and you go in the reef system, there's yeah. a lot around. If you notice, they'll like come right at you and maybe the last moment they'll go back. <laughs> so they're like, they're trying to like threaten you. Kind of mm. like Escobar, what he does downstairs yeah, to me. Yeah, get he out of my territory. Me. Yeah, yeah. Access deer. Invasive to Hawaii. Access deer were first brought to the islands in the 1860s, but it's the most important invasive species for a few islands, especially Maui and Molokai. Wait, on Molokai, an island of only around 7,000 people, there are somewhere around 70,000 deer. Wow. 7,000 people, 70,000 deer. Jeez. And on Maui, there are around 50,000 excess deer, which continue to grow. The deer was originally brought here as a gift to the king and then realized as a great hunting and food source. It's an important invasive species because it does as much good as it does harm yeah, okay. in its purpose on these islands. Unfortunately, under the current drought conditions on islands like Maui, the Axis deer does more harm as it eats its way through grasses within cattle ranches, wiping out the food supply for the cattle. This forces ranches to get rid, sell off, or slaughter a percentage of their cattle stock. Oh, jeez. So, see, deers are beautiful, but you see, like, all these invasive species yeah, cause problem. other problems. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And here's another one. The mountain goat. Yeah, the mountain goat. Yeah, invasive to Hawaii. Originally brought to the islands in the 1700s by Europeans, these goats exist in our more rugged terrain, being a fugitive species. Large numbers are found in the vicinity of steep cliffs and lava fields. Ghosts. Uh, ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are like ghosts. Goats were first released on the Hawaiian Islands by Captain James Cook oh. and his crew during their third and final voyage of discovery of the Pacific. English goats from the British King George III were carried on board as gifts to islanders. Goats from Africa ports were also taken on board as food provisions. On discovering the Hawaiian Islands in 1778, Cook gifted one male and two female goats to islanders on Niihau. On his return in 1979, he released an unspecified number into the wild on Hawaii Island. The idea was to populate the island with a food source for sailors on future expeditions. Cook was killed during their final visit too, by the way. Mm -hmm. However, British Captain Vancouver explored the islands in 1792 and introduced one male and one female to Kauai. The islands cared for these animals and used them for meat, milk, and skin. Goat production was rapid, and some animals escaped into an inaccessible terrain, finding wild colonies of Ipex goats across the island chain. Ipex is a different type of goat. Their horns are much more rounder and longer, and they're actually bigger goats than normal because they have no predators. Oh. So the goats have increased in size hmm. and have gotten more devastated for the Hawaiian. You know, they've devastated more of the Hawaiian Islands now. So, Because they're, the, they're at the top of the mountain range, so they wipe out all the indigenous species, too. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's why when you go to the top of the mountains, some of them, they're very rocky and there's no trees or, or uh, vegetation because they've killed it all. Oh, wow. Especially on the west side. Yeah, if you go I'm up sure. where it's rocky, yeah, they've wiped out a lot of the vegetation up there. So they're a big problem. Hmm. Okay, we're going to get to the most invasive of them all. Oh, boy. Well, other than humans. The koke frog. Oh, the koke frog. Invasive to Hawaii. Koke, the kokes have completely invaded most of East Hawaii from Glenwood to Kalapana and throughout North Hilo with dozens of smaller populations sprinkling throughout the rest of the island. They are tree frogs but are capable hitchhikers who have evolved to move with human belongings as people travel from one place to the other. Thank God it's not getting over to Kona yet. Yeah. Koki frogs were accidentally introduced to the Big Island in the late 1980s. Accidentally. And have exploded. Huh? Accidentally. Yeah, here, this is why. The Big Island in the late 1980s on imported nursery plants. No. That's how they got here. Seriously? Yeah, can you believe it? And why are they... Nobody, nobody checked the nursery plants. And why are they importing plants anyway? Exactly. You don't need to do that. No. Guess where they're from? Where? Puerto Rico. Ugh. Beloved in their native Puerto Rico, kokes in Hawaii lack the natural predators that keep their population in check, and their numbers have quickly exceeded population densities of the entire country of Puerto Rico. You <laughs> have played a clip of the kogi frog in a different podcast yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. Um, it's a horror show. If any of you remember, or if not, just Google it. Oh my gosh, you're so loud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> On the Big Island, kokes are recorded to reach densities as high as 2,000 frogs per acre more than twice the number found in similar areas in the Caribbean twice as much than where they came from Puerto Rico Hawaii evolved with no native terrestrial amphibians and the natural ecosystem here is not adapted for the presence of the koke frog koke are vicious eaters sorry I'm doing bad here kokes are vicious eaters and although they will consume any insect they find most of their forage time is spent in leaf litter looking for their invertebrate prey, which may be introduced or native. As many as our native invertebrates are already threatened by reduced habitat, the koke poses a troubling threat to our native ecosystem. Studies have shown they eat most crawling insects, but can you believe not mosquitoes? Oh, darn. Damn it. Can't you do something good? <laughs> I know. As once had been hopefully suggested. So they thought they did eat mosquitoes, but they don't. Mm -hmm. Many homeowners throughout Puna have reported that high-density infestation of little fire ants will reduce populations of koke frogs, although these residents also indicated that this benefit was not enough to tolerate the fire ants. So they didn't want fire ants in their areas, even though the fire ants could wipe out the koke frogs. Interesting. Having fire ants in your... your, Yeah, they're horrible. They're worse. They're horrible. Uh, The distinctive... Koki, Koki. <laughs> call that gives the frog its name can reach 100 decibels louder than many power tools and lawn equipment. I actually kind of enjoy them and the sound, but the problem is like at night they get so loud when yeah. you're trying to sleep. Yeah, it's very disturbing to local residents in yeah. high infestation areas. The males will call all the way from dusk to dawn without stopping to ward off comp- uh, competitors and attract a mate. In the morning, the frogs retreat to the ground and look for moist, shady areas to spend the day. Homeowners in highly infested areas have reported that in recent years, kokes will even call on overcast days, just not at night anymore. Mm. So if it's heavily shaded or raining 
and Docker out, they will begin to call, even during the day. Wow. There is no end in sight of this invasive species as it expands across the entire Big Island. Okay. That's a good way to end the show. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. That is it. So you mentioned mosquitoes for a second yeah. during this. And I just wanted to say, you know, mosquitoes did not used to exist in Hawaii No, they didn't. At they, all. Were, they were brought here, too. We didn't have that as an invasive species because I don't want to even yeah, mention those Yeah, it's too many, things. but it's just fascinating. Can you yeah. imagine a time with no mosquitoes, even in the rainforest? Well, the thing is, is, the thing is, in Hawaii, we're actually pretty good. We don't, we, we have nothing, even compared to where I live back home, where you right, probably live. Right, of course. Live, or even course. Florida. It's nothing near nothing like, summer back home yeah. but it's just crazy to think that like they didn't used to exist at all they didn't used to exist at all yeah it's wild. it's it's wild like the only time i rent we run into them is we go deep into the rainforest where there's kind of boggy water and yeah. they'll grow out there but even those are kind Jungle of controlled things. to some some extent because of our lizards and uh birds and things like that so thank god for that but yeah we don't we have mosquitoes but not as many i wish we didn't have any I wish we didn't have flies. We didn't even talk about that. How the hell did the flies get here? Right. They came over on boats. They yeah, came they over on boats. Have. They had to because there's no way they could get here. So unfortunately, we do have flies, but we don't have too many. And then we could go into bugs and roaches. And yeah, all that. We're, not. Not, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're not going to and, and all those other crazy <laughs> bugs that we could talk not. about. We're not going to do that. So that's going to wrap up the show. We just want to say mahalo to all the continued patronage and all the supporters that continue to uh, support the show. Mm-hmm. Thank mahalo. you so much. Uh, we're going to see Desiree next weekend, and then we get to set up a thing with Mike, Mike that'll go hang out with Mike. I've, yeah. I've run into Mike several times now, <laughs> uh, so we got to do something with that. And um, next week, we're going to be doing the annexation. You know what? We don't know if we're going to be actually being – it's going to be patron only, but we don't know if we're going to be able to make it to next week because it's going to be a long, extensive show. This one's going to be a lot of research. A lot of research. So maybe we'll let you guys know, obviously, on the patron page, but we'll let you know if we're going to be – uh, maybe we, we might need an extra week to actually put this all together, and it may be a very long podcast, but it's for the patrons. It'll be a great one, though. Yeah, it'll be really good. We're going to educate. Yeah. We're going to educate. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. We'll see you whenever. <laughs> <laughs> ready to do shoots? Yeah, let's do it. All right, ready? Shoots. shoots. Okay, we're going to go listen to Kolohe Kai Catching Lightning. All right. Aloha. Aloha. I was waiting my whole life and it finally came true Cause I didn't give up and I finally got one We're cruising to the islands, girl you on my ride The ocean horizon and you my paradise My lady, it's crazy how things are all so clear And we're finally here Look at all these mountains we've climbed Just to find an endless sunrise Yeah, we almost gave up at times all about the timing Now we're catching lightning What an epic freedom We feel Once in a lifetime So real Won't you keep that clock standing still It's all about the timing Now we're catching lightning i
falling through Yeah, good things will find you when you don't expect it to I was waiting my whole life and I finally found I finally found you, yeah When you speak of Allah, it's all the above All the good, yeah So that opens a right way range Aloha Whether it's Pono, Mikai the same. I don't care how you look at it, it's still aloha. Be puno. Be righteous. Aloha. Aloha. 